0: I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch says, Aaron, do you think if we told our audience that they were secretly in hell the whole time, they would be surprised at all? I just moved in my new house today. Moving was hard, but I got squared away. Bells started ringing and chains red aloud. I knew I'd moved in a haunted house. Still i made up in my mind to stay Nothing was gonna drive me away
1: When I seen something to give me is the Is that a rhetorical question before the music? Or... <laughs> the cut is where the cut is The cut is where the cut is It's in the vault! <laughs> of horror <sighs> That would have been a good tagline too. That, I had a that didn't confuse me question wise. I uh, had a,
0: a, a we have to watch. A, Is it the vault of horror? Of horror. I had a, a grandmother I was not particularly fond of, um, who used. Is to, anyone fond uh, of their
1: grandparents in our generation?
0: <laughs> not really. Over time, no. Um, I
1: mean, grand- like our parents became good grandparents, but like those World War II grandparents, get
0: rid of them. <laughs> a lot of bad
1: feelings probably about
0: race I've got women. I've got I've got a sweetie grandfather who's very sweet and he's like 96 or something and then I have a deceased uh, grandmother and one of the only things that uh, she had any impact on me is I do find it very fun too she had some weird east coast maybe Virginia West Virginia accent and she wouldn't say horror she'd say horror <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like transatlantic maybe is the name for it
1: um, but
0: yeah. so now the Vault of Hara just kept Hara. popping in my head. The Vault of Hara, Hara. It's like a really bad like Robin Leach or whatever who was the lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, I mean she uh, did love the lifestyle of the Rich and Shameless, but let's
1: talk Rich and Shameless. What a funny, what a funny plan. Words, yeah. But we're we love to watch. We're a movie podcast. We pick a theme. We do movies over the course of the month around that theme if we remember. Which we usually do. We compare and contrast. We're in our third week of a, the anthology horror. I don't think we came up with the title, and it's way too late now. It's third week. Oh, Peter. it's uh
0: it's uh, a an- anthology uh, anthology two anthology cube. Okay, great. Yeah, anthology two <laughs> anthology cubed. Um,
1: Tales from the crappy hosts. Um, yeah, tales but from so- the shits. Tales from the shits. Um, what else we got? Any other things? VH. I was gonna say yes, but I guess that's just the name of a different movie. Uh, but yeah, we're we're covering anthology horror movies over this, our most holy season, Spooktober. We're also doing uh, uh, recaps or uh, updates of our Spooktober watches. We're in our third week. We're, we're recording this early so we can watch more movies. But who knows how many movies we've watched? A million? No. Almost certainly not.
0: <laughs> yeah. You really overshot the estimates. I would say yeah, we've I'd watched about- less than a million movies. Uh, for sure. Um. I think the biggest question
1: you have to, to ask yourself is, by this point, did we decide after going, yeah, well, there's a lot of movies I want to watch. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. Did we watch the direct-to-streaming uh, Bring It On version that they made a horror movie? I don't know. <laughs> did we? I found out that existed today. Yeah, I think that's I, a good direction for that series. And I, I think, found out Peter, we should watch it.
0: Yeah, I found it out today and I went, um, that's terrific. I may watch a Bring It On sequel. Um,
1: I, I know I was going to message you and Ryan, our spooktober buddy and go, cause we're talking about, we we're recording this right before spooktober actually begins. And I was like, look, I know we're talking about doing a shared watch and we would have to all rent this, but I mean, there's no law against
0: kicking off spooktober with a straight to video. Bring it on or sequel. Yeah. I want to, I want to actually just take a little zoom out. So we're recording the Tales from the Crypt vault of horror episode today. Yeah. We are. We cannot on, deny it. We're this, I mean, this
1: before, is the record of it.
0: Yes. Pre-Spooktober, we're also recording uh, all of the VHS movies except for VHS 99. And we're going to add that as a quick recording session late in the month when it comes yeah. out on Shudder, October 20th, I believe. hmm Sponsored um, by Shudder. And Should. when I explained that the re- to Molly, the reason that we needed to watch all these movies in September was so we could have a free slate. Yeah. not have to record in October, and yeah. the only time that you know Aaron and I will talk is probably on you know uh, a daily nights. basis. <laughs> uh, watch, uh, yeah, texting and then watch texting parties. will be a daily, maybe hourly basis, depending yeah. on how many movies we're watching. Yeah, I, I meant talk with voice, voice. Words, oh yeah, um, with with mouth words. Uh, is probably you know a uh, watch party or whatever. Um, and she was not satisfied with my answer. So yeah, it's so we can get. A more pure slate for October. Yeah. And to just watch movies we haven't seen before. Yeah. She was like, You have an entire month devoted to horror. Can't fit these in though. And you needed to watch. <laughs> <laughs> was it eight? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> eight, eight movies in yeah. like the week or two leading up to it. Look, it's, so yeah, it's prep. A, clear, a truly clear slate.
1: Do you remember when Michael Scott carbo-loaded, like, a full linguine or whatever, chicken linguine before the marathon? That's what we're doing. (laughs) The result will be the same as well, throwing up on the side of the road with too much horror. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're horrible loading. Yeah, I, I always feel it's great for my daughter who does love horror movies and loves watching with me where I'm like, oh, that's a great movie. You'd love that. We should watch that. Not this month though, because I've seen it and this is about movies I haven't seen. So unfortunately, we're watching some obs- obscure 1940s horror movie that you're not interested in because it's the only thing that meets the criteria that you can watch it with me right now
0: yeah every month i end up watching ghost or every uh year i end up watching ghostbusters beetlejuice some of some of those guys so that um yeah. I, I i get some seasonal favorites in with my my wife but um uh it is i do have to like do a little meditative exercise before i start watching where i'm like this is a movie that you love more than any movie yeah you i know even and like those last and enjoy days, this like- as opposed to fucking tapping your toe watching the clock until one of your favorite movies in the world is over so you can watch, (laughs) I don't know, a shitty vampire movie from the 70s that you probably won't like. Bring an on sequel. But you're like, Um, I need to see more John on
1: movies. (laughs) I'm really glad that I have passed a Rubicon with my wife around this month where uh, and you know, I, I try to make some concessions to it a little bit. Like it's, it's like a war widow. I get it. Like she was really into being rainbow bright for Halloween this year mm-hmm. and wanted to do a couple's costume. So I'm I'm going as Twink, uh, who is Rainbow Bright's friend. So she's making me a Twink costume.
0: You don't really have the build to be a Twink, but continue. Uh it feels insulting. Does it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> does it help if I say I also I, I think if the you're commenting on my
1: body type
0: and saying it's not good enough for whatever it's you not know, good, It's not. It's a categorization. Not, it's not, not a, it's it's not a value judgment. Um but I'm not you I'm need not to do going some
1: Googling some self-educated I'm not going as a as that kind of twink, even though I'd be fine going as that mm-hmm. kind of twink, despite my uh Peter's judgment on my build.
0: Um, it's not a judgment. It's not a um, value.
1: <laughs> but I'm going as Twink from uh, from Rainbow Bright. And I like I, I, I have no connection to that. And um but Shauna was really excited about it and I was like, look, I am she's like, if, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it, but I thought it'd be fun to make it a couple Scott's. And I said, look, you're gonna have to put up with so much over the next month. I am more than happy. Uh I'm more than happy to go as your twink uh for for your Halloween costume, and she yeah, she just kind of laughed and smirked and she's like, I get it like there's been we've we've crossed a Rubicon with like, haven't you watched enough movies and I'm like, it's only been twenty <laughs> <laughs> what is twenty movies in fifteen days?
0: like, are you crazy? um it is kind of sick that I no longer get happy when I cross thirty one I mean, I go, oh yay, i I technically can stop the bare minimum anyways, yeah. play.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that feels like nothing. That feels like the warm up. I think I crossed like 31 in the first like ten days last year.
0: Uh, I hit, yeah, I, I hit 31 in the first week. Yeah, I was like, I got to pick up the pace if
1: I'm going to break 100. <laughs> uh, none of it's fun anymore. It's but it's well, you well, know it's like a, it's like an addiction. Uh, yeah, so I'm I am I'm so excited though. Uh, I, I, I again I think I think somewhere along the lines like in the last few years, like post this is, i feel like this is our first post post COVID. Not that COVID's over, but because there is more like my kids have swim lessons and they go to school again and you know, we go out and do things occasionally more than the last couple of years, and so I know I'm not gonna hit the numbers I did, but I do think like like 75 in that range feels very doable and uh yeah I'm just I'm just really excited. Now of course if you're listening to this you you it's, it's like the third week of October. But that's where we are mentally right now. We're in the we we watch some horror movies, some good spookers. We're about to really dive in and we as a precursor as an appetitif as a uh, antipasta <laughs> as they say in good old Italy, where um, we watch two Amicus horror movie anthologies. Uh, what I would actually call the best two. Uh, I know there's some debate among among people. I've I've watched all of them except one. There's one that is considered not so good. It has a non catchy name. Terror Garden
0: or uh, uh torture garden. Yes, I've not seen Torture Garden. I've not um, seen Torture Garden, and I've not seen Doctor Terror's House of Horrors. Which, in an ironic twist of time fate, I may have seen it by the time you're hearing this episode. So this this information has no value.
1: Doctor Terror's House of Horrors is very good, um, uh, but I've not seen the the Torture Garden. Uh, but I, I I do think I do think these two are the best, and I actually like. I remember Vault of Horror being my favorite. I think I might lean a little bit towards Tales from the Crypt, but they're they're both pretty equal. These are kind of, I think, uh, you know, as at, we're going to talk about Amicus... I think probably I would let Peter would talk about it for five hours if we had the runtime for for Amicus uh, horror movies. But these were, you know, this is a this is a, a studio in England that was kind of an offshoot of of Hammer horror or tried to compete with Hammer horror that essentially started releasing these anthology movies and then eventually bought the rights to EC or not bought the rights but got the rights to do a few based on uh, EC comics and these are uh, both. Tales from the Crypt and uh, Vault of Four are directly – all the stories are directly taken from uh, that series, whether Tales from the Crypt or Vault of Four or uh, – there's a couple other names like Scary, Super Monsters. <laughs> it's not right, but – Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, th- there's like four or five of them. I, and Peter, I did read a couple. Nice. Um, I was going to ask. I did. Uh, I read the two free versions that were on um, that were on Comixology. There there's a Vault of Four and a Tales from the Crypt. And uh, they do very much suffer from all comics of that era, which is, hey, how many words can we fit on a page? <laughs> um, but they were fun. You know, I, I do wonder if I kept reading. I feel like a lot of the stories I was reading as part of those first two collections felt very much um, over the plate stuff like uh not not all that twisty or interesting or uh, there's a ton of collections i'm definitely curious to go further because what i found in those compilations is they kind of do the basic meat meat and potatoes uh, uh stories that are like somewhat popular and well known early on and then some of the weirder more interesting stuff shows up in later volumes i don't know if that would be the case here but
0: yeah my, my take was like oh that was fun but not a i need to rush out and read all of these um, I'm actually sending you a picture of the collection I think you should get. Uh, it came out, uh, I think, a year or two ago. It's called uh, Choke Gasp. Um, choke Gasp. Um, and it's a... Uh, I have a couple of the collections, but this one I think is the most fun. It's a, it's a hand-picked selection of various comics. And um, so it dodges around the various uh, eras, but you're also getting, like more of a modern perspective on oh, the highlights yeah. and specific our h- authors that went on to be big names in DC or Marvel or just independent comics or whatever else. Okay. They get their own highlight sections, which is really cool because you get to see like a taste of the work they did in that era. Um, and I think that, I think this collection is absolutely worth it. Um, yeah. I, I, I spoke lovingly about um i spoke lovingly about them in a previous Here's what's episode.
1: frustrating about you sending this to me now do you know that this is not just this is free to buy if i have kindle unlimited and i can keep it forever
0: hmm. didn't know that it's too well, late now can't I guess Here, we have some reading for, for november for three um, hours yeah yes, guess we have to stop um but yeah it, it's a really cool collection but yeah we, we, we've talked about ec comics in the creep Shop show episode because it also is a um, a big inspiration of, um, of, 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 um, Creepshow, but EC Comics, uh, became largely defunct and stopped producing all horror comics by 56. And, but what was kind of interesting is that, um, the William Gaines, uh, who was the guy I discussed in the Creep Show episode a little bit. He's like the head of EC Comics. He's still because the company was still active and he still had, was the rights holder. Uh, he got to get script approval on all of the shorts, the various the scripts for um, the Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror movies. Um, and also, this is a movie that was partially funded through Corman's company, AIP. Um, so it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's like a, an interesting nexus point for not just anthology horror, not just horror movies, but like, uh, for, uh, cinema in general. Cause like the director has an interesting ass career, which I'm not sure if you looked into his, his background a little bit, Aaron, both of the, um, and both of the producers, well,
1: which one for, cause they're both direct, they're directed by different people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah Freddie Francis notably. Okay. Okay. Because um, we've covered movies that Freddie Francis was like the cinematographer for, um, which I'll get to in a moment. But um, but yeah, basically, uh, Amicus Productions was created through Milton Sabotsky and Max J Rosenberg, who are actually Americans, which is very funny because these these movies are just extremely British to me. Um. They're, like, they're so British. They're so British. In Vault of Horror, most of, most of the Star Wars cast is in these movies. <laughs> yes. In Vault of Horror, that's how British they are, Peter. There's, there's, uh, like, in Vault of Horror specifically, there's a segment that is essentially, um, what if a British person had to be mad and it's the most in, like, Oh my hilariously God. pitiful thing i've ever seen um one of my
1: one of my fair parts of like we'll get to this a vault of horror is that like it's four supernatural tales of like rich people getting like uh, uh like yeah supernatural comeuppance and then there's one that's like what if a guy was a dick to his wife and she beat him in it with a hammer
0: that's what i'm referring to where he's like uh, where he, he's like, can't you do anything right? Yeah. He's got this. I need I things neat. <laughs> he has the most whiny, amazing British voice ever. He's so
1: good. Yeah. Did you ever see It's a Mad, 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 Mad World? Uh, no. So he's in that movie, which is why I recognize him as like um, an an English person who hates all. Uh, I think he like teams up with Jonathan Winters at one point or Mickey Rooney, one of, one of the people that's in that movie. Uh, the movie's um not. I don't, I, I have a lot of affection for it because I watched it as a kid, but it's definitely interesting for the fact that it basically has every major comedian from the sixties all in one movie in this like giant big budget, like Stanley Kramer production.
0: Yeah. Actor's name is Terry Thomas. Um, yeah. and he has this notable gap gap tooth and he always plays that kind of, um, that kind of, uh, upper class, uh, goof, like a person who has so much money that their brain has kind of gotten a little soft. And, um, I love the the Wikipedia description. He often portrayed disreputable members of the upper classes, especially Cads, Toffs, and Bounders.
1: (laughs) I don't know if you can say any of those words.
0: I don't know either. It's going to be like
1: a Joe Rogan situation where this episode gets pulled in five years. (laughs)
0: Promise not to talk about cigarettes on the show. Um, But uh yeah so yeah, but it but it is like uh
1: what if there's vampires Ooh. yeah well, what if the dead come back to life Ooh. what if they're embalmed Ooh. hey what if this guy's a dick
0: <laughs> and then when his wife chops him up like, like seems about right
1: yeah it, that is definitely a good for her
0: story. yeah oh absolutely yeah. um classic good for her um yeah. but yeah the the um Milton Sabatsky and Maxie Rosenberg created Amicus Productions, and Aaron, as a student of Latin, um, I believe you can tell me what the word Amicus means. At two, um, means means friendship. Um, uh, yeah, it means love or something, right? Yeah, it means yeah. friendship. And then, according to the internet, hold uh, on, oh, well, let me just conjugate it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm I amicus, amico. I learned the word amicus Amic- and the word animus within uh, the same day and a half. Um, when did you learn abacus? Abacus? Yeah. What day? I knew the learn word that? abacus like thirty years ago for some reason. Oh, you just learned
1: Abraxas? amicus
0: and animus.
1: Oh, okay, you just learned those two. Yeah. Those but the new a new but Abraxas, the noted spice planet, an <laughs> Abacus, you knew a while ago. Is what you're saying? Uh, Arrakis?
0: <laughs> what? What's? What's? What, is that what, I, what? Did I say that? Yeah. Uh, no. But it's Arachus, the spice planet. Arachus. What did I say? Ab- Abacus. Yeah. Abraxas. Abraxis so might, I I might be think That's gotta be a planet. A, oh me? I think kidding a Braxis, Braxis is something that gets shot, some guy that gets shot in like Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh Braxis. Or it's something that you put under your sink to kill roaches. Braxis is a word of mystic meaning
1: in the system of Gnostic. I'm gonna say balis, ba, Basil Basil signs.
0: There we go. Yeah, I, just, I know. I just... No. You were just conjuring a different... Hold on. Impop cartridge. Oh, there is. The character the of
1: Abraxas embodies the destruction of the multiverse. Must I have been watching those Marvel movies. Let's see. Mm. Yeah. I so oh, in
0: Darksiders 3. I said... I said Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, right? Yeah. You're pretty close. Um... But yeah, so the America's horn of Abraxas is
1: from Mandy. Hold on. I got to read all the different things were. Abraxas. I don't think you have to
0: Considering we have two. Movies <laughs> it's together. really long.
1: Uh, okay, fine. We'll do. We'll do it your way, Peter. Okay.
0: So uh, Milton um, Sabotsky and Max J. Rosenberg are both Americans. They moved to England and uh, formed said, a what's company. What's all
1: this then? So they said when they moved to England, they said,
0: what's all this then?
1: They're trying to blend in. That's why it was a bad answer.
0: All right, Aaron, if you're going to keep interrupting, why don't you summarize a Wikipedia article? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to add color.
1: You're removing color. I'm not removing you're color. you I'm having you tell a tell the story. I'm going I'm to have some commentary
0: about what it was and rods like. The in my you eyes are the dying the more you talk. You're just removing the color history. from my universe.
1: Just tell the history and ignore me. Pretend, take out the earbud where I talk and then you'll uh. hear it in the edit.
0: So they created they created a film studio. Their original intention was not necessarily to create a purely a horror studio that they did um collaborate on a movie called City of the Dead, which I haven't seen. Um their first one is uh their first two uh were teen musicals. Um and one is called It's Trad, Dad. Um can you take a guess at what it's trad, Dad means? (laughs) Uh, it's like a English way to say rad. No. Well, though they would think trad is rad. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a movie about kids being in love with uh, traditional jazz, so Dixieland jazz.
1: Traditional Dixieland jazz.
0: <laughs> it's trad, Dad, <laughs> and then one called just for fun.
1: I like that movie because it's all... I I haven't seen it, but that means I really enjoy it because it's all about the films I haven't seen when it comes to trad jazz. (laughs)
0: Um, But they made these movies, uh, these two musicals, uh, it's Trad Dad and Just for Fun, but they determined that one of the best ways to be a successful company was to kind of um, pick up on the Hammer Film Productions um, uh, model or method, which is, you know... Uh, putting your money into the actors and making these uh, horror productions and cashing in. One of the big differences between AIP and... Um hammer and amicus though. And this, uh, I really like amicus always tries to modernize their stories. The way EC comics would traditionally do is like, they wouldn't necessarily have a story set in Victorian era, the way like a lot of those Corman Poe movies were, or a lot of the movies in general were. and hammer very often would set their stuff in a kind of fucked up Victorian era as well. Or the 1920s amicus would make most of their movies in the present day. Um, and that ap- applies, obviously, to their anthology horror movies that we're going to talk about, notably Tales from the Crypt and, and Vault of Horror. Uh, and they picked up, you know, like, like like Aaron and I were just talking about, they picked up all these amazing, like, screen legends, <laughs> some that were in, in Star Wars. Most of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, notably Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee are, are kind of mainstays. There's a areas. lot of, like,
1: background Imperial commanders too that are in these movies
0: oh yeah yeah Yeah. um but you could get because of the nature of of anthology horror movies you could get actors who were super busy and super in demand um or people that were you know like maybe would uh uh, maybe not have time put time in their schedule to be on a film set for a bunch of months um you could also get people that were kind of rising young actors or people that are kind of on a downswing um and you could just have them for like, you know, a few days, maybe a couple weeks to shoot your to shoot your segment and then fucking like move on. And these movies were successful. Um, We've mentioned a few of them. Dr. Chair's House of Horrors. Um, the, ho- the other ones that I really love are House of Dripped Blood and From Beyond the Grave. Um, those ones yes. I think are also excellent. it's um, very good. Um, okay. um, I like I like Asylum, too. I, I did, we determined that we should stick with the EC Comics-based ones for the episode today, sort of connect in with the Creepshow one. We also love these movies, I think, the best of the set. Uh, because if you let me have my druthers, I would fucking... <laughs> I would just find a way. Well, we could do Asylum. Well, if we're doing Asylum, we should also do Be- From Beyond the Creep.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I do... I mean, there... Like I th- I, th- I think all of them are worth it. There's not that many, right? Like, there's what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So there's seven. I mean, we're covering two. I I think there's some. There is some like crossover of themes that end up happening. I think beyond these two, Doctor Terrors, and um, I'm kind of surprised because I talked a little bit about how um, the framing device for Tales from the Hood really kind of follows Doctor. Dr. Terror's House of, of Hordes, they're clearly influenced by that. So, um, and then From Beyond the Grave, but I, I think most of them are really good, but I, I think these do have a little bit more, maybe like strength in their source material because they're pouring through the history of EC Comics and just how much content there was to pull from to kind of make stories and make versions of them for these. So... um, Again, I I, I actually feel like when we watched that documentary, Peter, that uh, the consensus was From Beyond the Grave was the best one. Um, But definitely other ones that we could have done and been been just as good because these these really are great. And there's – they essentially like – they were mostly pretty successful. Like Tales from the Crypt in the United States was like 24th at the box office in 1972, which is pretty good for like a horror anthology, uh, you know, a British import Movie and these these all got a lot of traction and I I think just essentially they just stopped making them. They had plans to make was it budgetary? Why did they stop after From Beyond the Grave again? Do you remember?
0: Um, I think the, the audience had kind of moved on a little bit. These th- this was the peak, particularly the international audience. This was really the Tales from the Crypt uh, was really like the financial peak because Tales from the Crypt made a good amount of money internationally, and I should say in America. Um, over time, the uh, sort of um, the gloss came off of uh, this type of movie because even though they were modernizing the stories, they did sort of come off as old-fashioned uh, after a certain point. This sort yeah, of like, and I guess British I people that... having conversations in, in you know Brit- in their British parlors is kind of became out out, out of fashion uh, as the, the the style of American filmmaking started to take off.
1: Yeah, and I forgot actually that um, after this they did do those three uh, the tr- the trilogy of Edgar Rice Burroughs adapt- adaptations uh, with uh, the land the time forgot uh, people that time forgotten at the earth's core and they mm-hmm. devote some resources to that and then I didn't I, I didn't know this but part of it was that because I remember he was working on that movie the uncanny um and yeah. a few other ones um. But he relocated to Canada and didn't have access to the same set of actors and casts and a few other things. And so they just weren't they weren't as uh, successful. Um, but I might try to. they. I mean, they did. They did the uncanny in the Monster Club, so that might be worth, worth checking out.
0: Yeah, I've seen um, I've seen the Monster Club. Um, have you seen Monster Club? No, um, that would be one, a good one to watch with Maya because it's very silly and there's like bands in it and stuff um,
1: oh yeah i remember that was uh that was talked about in the that documentary tales of the uncanny uncanny too
0: yeah it's super it's super kid focused it, it's very cute um and then um i you understand that maya watch pray with us right <laughs> i know but i'm not gonna suggest a, i'm not gonna suggest the envelope pusher <laughs> um but uh yeah that one's really good and then also like um well, it's not really good, but it's just, it's fun. Um, but like, yeah, it, it, just because this sort of era um, pushed on doesn't mean that they stopped making like quality pictures. Um, I do really like and now the screaming starts, um, which is uh, sort of like a revenge movie. It's not a it's not an anthology horror. It's just like a a single story. It's sort of like a period revenge story. Um, and what's very interesting, I I didn't know this. I imagine this pisses off Doctor Who fans, but um, they're, they made. Theatrical Doctor Who movies, uh, Amicus did. Um, with Peter Cushing as Doctor. Who. Just all of that sounds great off to, you know off to a great start. Um, but they like sort of disregarded the, 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 the tenet of Doctor. Who as like the sort of alien that takes a humanoid form and is kind of an outsider of the human race. Instead, it's just a human scientist, so he's just sort of like a guy who has far-flung technology. <laughs> wow infuriating yeah I imagine if I were a Doctor Who person I would be pretty mad I don't know. right now I don't know how I can continue this
1: episode after learning that Peter just...
0: <laughs> they also did which is very interesting does that relate
1: they... to Torchwood <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's um was that Doctor Phil <laughs> Jason I'm, I, I, I think Torchwood was less like Doctor Who but like if it's just a human kind of cowboy guy he has to deal with weird stuff I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm furious about that now too yeah. I'm never really going to go to sleep
1: tonight. Yeah. Learning about all this Doctor Who stuff that doesn't meet my idea of Doctor Who, which is of <laughs> course, uh alien disguised as a human who uh performs surgeries. I want to say is he a pediatrician?
0: Um he's actually yeah, he's a fly-by-night um doctor. Um, he has a special uh, telephone booth that he goes into to masturbate. And when he masturbates, it takes him to a new space and time. And what his deal is, is that he performs a lot of unethical surgeries on people, um, mm. like gives them horns and stuff um, yeah. that they they, they well, want like, for science. They wanted like a stint in their heart. And he gave them yeah. a horn. Um, very unethical. Um, hey, then, you asked for a surgery. Be more specific next time, bub.
1: Yeah. Um, nice doctor,
0: time. doctor, doctor, doctor. I need help. My husband he needs help.
1: Don't say another. Sorry, I'm masturbating in this telephone booth. <laughs>
0: five, five minutes. <laughs> you think, uh, is there is a movie he where flies he meets a different space and time so that yeah. the um the the fuzz doesn't get him, the Ooh. coppers don't get him?
1: That's why he has that scarf to disguise his face from the police. Yeah.
0: He can go to any space and time that he wants to, but for some reason, he just goes to another part of uh, rural England.
1: He goes to a room with uh, porn magazines to load up his telephone booth.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you think he ever met Dr. Acula?
0: Mm, that sounds pretty scary, actually. Oh, that sounds you, pretty scary.
1: Did you figure out the joke, Peter? Is that why? You know, you uh, know it was scary. I was trying to scare you later when I do, uh, you mean Dracula? <laughs> didn't seem to work. You were, so, you were so many steps ahead of me.
0: Uh... No, I just thought it'd be scary if two doctors hung out. Oh, I agree.
1: Where they going to share like body stories of people? They'll
0: invent phrenology.
1: Oh, you don't want you don't want any of that unless unless you're talking about the 2002 Roots album, which is pretty good in my opinion.
0: Oh, speaking of words from my grandfather, um, I call uh, root root now. Okay, um, so that's that's a good thing I got from my grandfather. Like if you were gonna have a root beer, yeah, like a root I like, I like beer. I hate that Jimmy Fallon, but it's nice that he, you know, he's made uh, the roots very rich. Uh, yeah, I do, I do appreciate that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I wish instead they made music, but you know, they seem hey. all like very nice people that I'm happy for.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, so ever, really quickly before we move yeah. on, um, I just really want to get this down because it's in my notes. Um, it makes me sad that my favorite then in uh Jerry's ice cream is the Jimmy Fallon one. It's so good. It's so good. And it's, it's he gets money from that, presumably, right? Um I, I don't know how that works. I think it goes to
1: charity. I think that's the whole thing.
0: Yeah, but in charity in Jimmy Fallon's name, do you think that helps him get into heaven? Like by that, uh, the point system? I mean if
1: god exists i guarantee that the god that i understand christians believe in i guarantee that should be found is going uh to uh to heaven because as far as i can tell god's bringing all the worst people there <laughs>
0: <laughs> sort of an open door policy yeah uh
1: yeah i uh what's funny like i i it's funny they still make the the Americone Dream one like they haven't they haven't updated the Stephen Colbert one to uh mm-hmm. to uh to a CBS branding. But I used to get that one because I didn't like Jimmy Fallon and I liked Stephen Colbert. And then I one time I did like the order delivery and they must have been out of Stephen Colbert and they're like, "Well, we'll replace it with this." And I'm like, "Fuck, this is the best."
0: Is the it's best better. one. It's it's, faster, it's so superior. much better. It's really it's really depressing. Yeah, it's it bumps I, I have to. I, I eat the bite when my wife and I will do this thing where we share a pint and we'll we'll pass it back and forth. Yeah. It's called being depressed. And we um
1: the best thing about that if you're if you're depressed um over the Jimmy Fallon ice cream tasting good. A good way to handle depression is to eat your feelings with the Jimmy Fallon <laughs> ice
0: cream. But i i turn the i turn the picture. I'm not joking. I turn the picture away from myself. Yeah, I mean it's
1: it's hideous to look at. Just a good reminder of like everything wrong with our yeah. society. Yeah,
0: it's very distracting when I'm trying to eat my ice cream and watch Jimmy Fallon on TV. <laughs> yeah,
1: the two of them. <laughs> so, before I'm easily we...
0: distracted.
1: I don't know who to watch here. <laughs> Can't tell who's telling all these, these these barn burners of jokes that
0: <laughs> And I'm like, what if Paris Hilton played beer pong? Yeah. You wanna like <laughs> sing with me? <laughs> that's,
1: that's Jimmy Fallon.
0: Uh so before we
1: before we move into the movies proper and we have a lot to cover there. Uh so I'm glad we're devoting all the right amount of time to these films. Uh I wanna note, like, so as we've gone through this, we've talked a little bit about um, that Creepshow and Tales from the Hood were, were, were by one director. And both of these movies are also by one director. So you're getting still a kind of a consistent vision within an anthology horror that's telling different stories. They feel like very complete movies. Maybe not as complete as a Creepshow – because the framing devices for all these amicus ones are, like, generally pretty similar, and they're like, share a story because you're dead or in hell, or, you are you know, whatever. That's how they all are. But um, there still is a somewhat compelling framing device that goes through there. Again, one consistent uh, vision through there, and they're also really following that morality tale guidebook that we saw in Tales from the Hood, and we saw in Creepshow. What's interesting is that even though, like, anthology horror is a pretty broad idea um next this is gonna be the last week we're doing that and then we're, we're moving into what i think is like the more common anthology horror that we get today which is a overall theme for the 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 movie in the anthology direct with segments directed by different up-and-comers so you know In theory, we could have done two months, one where it's kind of, hey, one anthology horror person doing the theme and one where it's like Field Guide to Evil or Nightmare Cinema plus VHS and something like that. But we we actually are covering more than I initially anticipated that are really based on, hey, it's one director, it's one idea. And we're going to tell a bunch of different stories within that to tell a more complete picture. In this case of people going to hell or people in reliving their nightmares as part of torture or people being dead. So this is kind of the last one to that before we really go into, hey, what if uh, what if you what if we get good directors to uh, do basically a VHS themed horror movie found footage horror movie?
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh the, even with the VHS movies, they'll have like a right a cohesive writer set or and then like, you know, a bunch of directors or a smaller number of shorts, but you know, um uh, multiple writers, like they'll they'll kind of mix it up, but you're right. It kind of has multiple visions kind of crammed together and it mostly takes a production house to, to kind of uh, make them match. The only thing I want to know you, you talked about on the director front. Yeah. It's directed by a guy, uh, tales from the crypt is directed by a guy named Freddie Francis, um, which really quickly, Aaron, uh, Freddie Francis was like, I clicked through, through his film, his, his cinematography. And I was like, Holy shit. He's like, yeah, he's like a King. He he did the cinematography, cinematography for *The Innocents*, uh, *Elephant Man*, *Dune*, *Return to Oz*, *Cape Fear*, *The Straight Story*. He also directed *Doctor Terror's House of Horror* and *Torture Garden*. Um, like uh, *The Creeping Flesh*. Like as a director, he did a lot of, in sort of this mold. Um, and it feels like he he, he sort of you know is, is is operating within a specific capacity as like you know British horror director of the seventies. As a cinematographer, he like kept working for a long time and is like made some movies that are insanely cool looking. Like I think everyone that's seen Cape Fear can remember the shot of Robert De Niro sitting uh, hanging upside down, like creepy. Uh, a creepy shot of Robert De Niro on the phone Hanging upside down And like yeah Freddie, that was just like an idea Freddie Francis had <laughs> Like, yeah, I, Iconic shots are from him
1: The other thing I think about him whenever I hear his name Is like he definitely has the type of name That Joe Pesci would say to make fun of A different name when he gets it wrong As a way to belittle you mm-hmm. Like what are you Freddie Francis <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that it probably never happened to him in real life, but I mean, it definitely sounds like it could have.
0: Yeah, it kind of sounds like uh, Jimmy Jones. Yeah,
1: and in, in this in this case, you're not belittling me, Joe Pesci, because that is my name, is what he would have said,
0: probably. Yeah. Dreadfully uh, sorry. What, what have I done to offend you? <laughs> oh, no. oh no. Oh heavens me! <laughs> it's <is> my tea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I best be off. What am I a jester to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you want to talk about these fucking movies, Peter? Yeah, let, let's talk about these fucking movies. Let's talk about 1972s. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Tales from the Crypt. I actually, what's crazy, Peter, is that I kind of assumed that they did 1972's Tales from the Crypt, then Vault of Horror, which came out in 1973. Asylum came in between those two. Like, they they were really crazy. It's like the Godzilla movies where, like, every nine months was a new Godzilla movie. They really cranked these things out in the 70s. Probably, I mean, as a guess, would be because of the invention of cocaine
0: oh yeah probably yeah <laughs> uh, yeah cocaine
1: famously invented in the 1970s along with the footlong sub
0: mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. um this, this, this sandwich is, is dreadfully too dreadfully big it's too large <laughs> but on cocaine i can, I can absolutely devour it you,
1: i like that you think the british person in this uh play that you just put on for me um understood what a footlong was as opposed to being terribly perplexed. Right? Oh.
0: How long is that?
1: As long as one of my feet?
0: Oh, uh, we called them a, a submarine sandwich.
1: <laughs> we lost a few of those in World War II. We,
0: we named Lusitania a sandwich special. after them. It made quite a Lusitania yeah. of my
1: Church It was Churchill's idea. <laughs> um.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So, anyways, yeah, we'll, tales from the crypt. 19- we'll fight them on Ruben. <laughs> we'll fight them on Rye. We'll fight them on Dutch Crunch. We'll fight them on Salo. I like how the first one's just a
1: full sandwich.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's an open-faced sandwich. <laughs> he was hungry at the beginning. It tapered off. <laughs> he just need a slice of bread. Later on, yeah. This this speech took this speech took three hours because he kept stopping. To he eat, kept he naming all the breakfast. breads
1: he knew. <laughs> unleavened, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever they make. You know, Eucharist out of <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> double unleavened. Double that's really unleavened. Yeah, uh, baby, you got a cracker. Um nine seventy two Tales from the Crypt um, starts the framing device. We actually get a Crypt Keeper in here, not the more famous one that we'll find later in the HBO show, who I would say is a little bit of more of a joker than this guy. Uh, this guy is just an old British guy who sits on a <laughs> chair and who has a lot of – casting a lot of judgment. I think – uh, it's good that they explain later on when they reveal his identity as a keeper, or else I would just assume
0: he's just an old British guy who's a so scolding people. <laughs> yes. And he is, he's... Uh, what's interesting is like he's being played by like a knighted British actor, Ralph Richardson. Yeah. <clears throat> Sir, Ralph, Sir Richardson. Ralph Richardson. I don't really recognize anything the Queen did. Uh, unless it was bad. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, he, he, he... like. He made a stage career in the way that we always kind of stereotypically talk about British actors. We're like he was playing Hamlet when he was 15 and he <laughs> like like whenever we're talking about Brit- how British actors are just like bring an air of um, competence and respect to even kind of like crummy cheap movies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he lends like in a very small role here where he's mostly just wearing a like a monk's robe um he says a few lines in a in a heavy voice he lends like such a gravity to the frame device when like he, he didn't need to be there he just thought it was fun
1: yeah and they all kind of they all walk down these five strangers they never know each other they all learn each other from their worst possible stories which would be a which i'm assuming is like also how tucker max met people but um <laughs> they they all these these five people walk down uh to the catacombs none of them turn to it. you know something's up immediately because no one turns to someone and goes hey is that Joan Collins she's very famous Uh, no they just walk down some stairs and then they are met by the Crypt Keeper Uh, and he's talking about how they could die um here, like, they all have these, like, uh, you know, caskets or stone caskets next to them. And he's, like, recounting tales of that could happen to them. Uh, not to spoil.
0: It already happened to them. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're just going to give away the framing device uh, yeah. for the rest of the month because we just don't have time yeah. to dodge in and out of the Yeah. Item. Yeah. I, I think that's right. Yeah. So, essentially. I'll, the, I'll even give away the framing device to, to Vault of Horror. Yeah. We're not even talking about it yet. But, it's yeah. The same thing. All these guys are sitting in a room. And then they talk about these stories and they're like, man, that's a bad dream I had. Yeah,
1: they all, then, they all refer to them as the worst. So they go down an elevator as opposed to the stairs. Yeah. And then they're all, there's no Crypt Keeper. Instead, they just strike up a conversation about terrible dreams they've had. And then you learn that those weren't terrible dreams. That's how they died. And their torture and vault of horror is they have to relive those those memories every single night. So they literally just have to talk to the same people. I guess they erase their memory, Men in Black style. And they're like, hey, tell that story of how you died again through supernatural causes and or pissing off your wife to the breaking point. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and this- and this one it's the, pretty yeah. straightforward yeah this like, one they're in hell and these the, you're the bad gonna, people you're gonna learn how they died uh, and it starts with uh, one of my favorites which is An all through the house uh, which uh, is J- Joan Collins story she uh, it's a Christmas horror theme which is a fun way to kick it off I think it's a great little I'm sure Peter during your Christmas horathons, you sometimes pop in this first story it wouldn't shock me if you did that
0: you're I, I will I will pop in either this one or I'll just watch the Tales from the Crypt episode because it's essentially the same story, um, but uh, with just you know a few slight tweaks.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, I mean it's 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 actually a great one to set up. I you know a quick side note before we get into both of these. So the Vault of Horror one on the Shout Blu-ray that I have has the uncut version. I guess I've I've never watched the theatrical version. I don't know too much is different. I did watch these during the day with both of my kids like around when they were playing and I had a little time to watch something. I forgot how I guess, there's something about like 1972 PG rated British horror movie. I'm like, "Oh, this is fine. Maybe there's a skull somewhere." I kind of forgot that these are well not like gory for nowadays. They're they're not ungraphic. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, that's um, one of the things that I really find comforting about these movies, and like I've watched them a, a few times, um, is because of the era, it's it, it's comforting me because the horror will be direct, like there'll be, you'll see hits connect and there'll be blood and such, um, but it won't go too far into discomfort, like, um, it, it's, it's, it's- It's not furchy. It's not faulty it's not there's not like uh protracted sexual violence against people like it's very much about um just these quick little splashes of of theatrical kind of like oh did, did but you didn't expect to see that as opposed to uh dragging out a torturous moment like you almost never feel any sense of empathy or pathos for the um <laughs> the victims in these stories, yeah, almost routinely all bad. Yeah, they're all—I mean—they're all, I mean, literally learning about why they're getting condemned to torture for the for all eternity. So you yeah, not... watch it, like uh, you get to watch it kind of from the perspective of the crypt keeper, and it's yeah, like, you like you get to watch it from the perspective of you stupid schmucks. And it's shot in this like really gorgeous 70s style that I'm I'm quite fond of. Like it's 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 very like it's very much like. Um, warm colors the blood is like that pink dawn of the dead kind of color yeah um and it's 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 very much focused on like um it's very much focused on like uh setting up a sort of theat like Uh, believable theatrical setting and then doing something ridiculous in it to like break open that sort of british sense of calm and uh that's why i find these movies like so comforting (laughs) yeah it's
1: worth noting though like i i forgot i haven't seen them since i first bought this blu-ray um on peter's recommendation like probably like six seven years ago at this point but i really did forget because there is almost a safety in this era of like a uh, uh, proper British horror movies that like, I was, I kind of surprised to learn, although less surprised after I rewatched it, that Tales from the Crypt actually was never released on the VHS, on VHS in England because it was on the video nasty list, um, and it wasn't until later on DVD that it finally got got released. So it definitely like, while while not as uh, uh, graphic or gory as some of the other video nasty ones that you're probably more aware of, like it wasn't nothing. The guy's heart got ripped out. Um,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. In, a, in a, but like it's like that one graphic shot, right? It's not like they yeah. protra- they protracted it out. Like obviously, like even um, Temple of Doom would have a more protracted heart removal, see?
1: Yeah. Also, a knight, Sir Steven Spielberg, as we learned on our Patriot Games episode, he's just never allowed to call himself that, I guess. It's even it's
0: even fucking funnier. Um, it's even fucking funnier now that the queen is dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's... People
1: complain that there's not enough good news in the world. <laughs> um... So, yeah, so Joan Collins essentially kills her husband on New Year's Eve – Christmas Eve, sorry, in the worst possible spot on on the white rug. Uh, And then she basically spends a lot of the rest of the segment trying to take him down to the basement and clean up the white rug and and, and clean up all the evidence that the murder occurred there, which just feels like a huge hassle. Like, if you're going to kill your husband, A, change your decor – B don't lure him into the worst possible house for it, or worst possible room of the house for it. Like just, just a lot of mistakes that Joan Collins makes right off the bat. But she's not the only one in the house that makes mistakes because as she's trying to clean up all the evidence of this murder that she commits, there's an announcement over the radio that a lunatic, uh, Black Christmas style, one of the one of the remakes, anyways, has escaped from a mental institute and he is dressed as Santa. So you got to be on the lookout for a lunatic who's dressed like Santa. Um you know who's on the lookout for a for a someone who looks like Santa, Joan Collins's daughter. So even though Joan Collins goes and boards up all the windows and kind of recognizes that the Santa Claus is outside trying to get her and it's, it's some great scenes of her like rushing to windows cuz they're rich and they have a lot of doors and um I, and so she's trying to keep him out all of a sudden, her daughter bursts out of bed and opens the door and's like, "Here he is!" And then he he kills Joan Collins.
0: So, so the the have you seen the Tales from the Crypt episode? The I think it's the first aired episode. I I, I have. I think it's actually the
1: only uh, one of the only Tales from the Crypt episodes. I have the whole box set. I haven't dug into it yet. I bought it last year. I think it's one of the. But I had the first season set and watched a few, so I I do think I've seen it.
0: It's it's uh it's it's, it's good. so good. Yep. but um. They they in this version there's a few cha- there's a few differences. Um, like the husband is not a dick in this one. Uh, in the original one, he's a dick. Um, there's some. Well, other, he, I mean, he might be a dick. We, we we basically get no time with the husband. He he's like he's like like a a British and ineffectual. Just like oh honey, oh, oh, it's Christmas. I'm gonna put on my weird little hat. Oh. Like he's got <laughs> he's got those weird dumb little hats. Like British people when it's like Christmas time, they're like oh, what if I had a funny hat. Ooh, I
1: mean, I think just sometimes a British person existing can be infuriating.
0: Yeah. I mean, British people love their silly little rituals, like electing monarchs. Yeah. I mean, does it mean anything? Yeah. Or
1: like, we're going to leave the European Union. Oh, we'll tank our <laughs> you know, economy. Silly
0: little rituals. They yeah. don't hurt anybody. Um, but, uh, and we know British people aren't listening to this because uh, by the time that they're hearing this episode, uh, they're probably burning their phones for fuel. It's already Christmas. Um uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, it takes a long time for podcasts to get across the pond. Yeah. <laughs> they're still like tearing their clothes
1: and screaming at the heavens because like a hundred year old woman who took their money died.
0: Yeah. Uh, actually sending my love to British people. I'm very sorry that, uh, you like us have to suffer to live with conservative people. Um, they're a fucking menace. Um, yeah, yeah that part's true. sending my love. I, yeah. but I will continue to make fun of, um, old British people. Oh, of course. My right. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Isn't it weird? Okay, so her murder We won plan the war is, to be able to make fun of British people. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Tr- try harder next
0: time. It'd be it'd be dreadful if you did that. Yeah. Um, but uh before podcasts, people just got away with murders that were this ill-planned and shitty. Part of her murder plan was scrubbing blood out of a white rug. Yeah. This was a plan she had. Yeah. She and had, then like, move, the move him
1: to the basement. So, like, I guess it looks like he fell. Like, just be like, honey, I'm downstairs. And then push him down the stairs. Like, it shouldn't be that hard.
0: I, like, it. she had never heard of the concept of blood coagulating before. I, I know.
1: <laughs> I know. Maybe that's why she murdered him. My husband will never go into the basement
0: <laughs> under <laughs> any
1: circumstances.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, she, like, redistributes the blood in this, like, cute little glass and has to clean the glass out. Yeah. It's like... And then, yeah, so she gets broken into, I would say the Santa in the HBO one is obviously because it's more it's, it's not this British sort of comforting thing. It's more of a arch thing. He's like really gross looking and grody and he has like a hunchback and he has a weird little cackle. This Santa is dead silent and he's like they're implying I think he's like syphilitic. He's got like all these like big. He's got. I mean, he's not. Yeah, he's not pleasant. I think that daughter,
1: being that she's like ten or twelve, should have known like not a good Santa to let in the house.
0: Yeah, I'm putting a he's... lot of blame at her feet. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, mom said don't let Santa in the house. She never said anything about Father Christmas. Huh. <laughs> it's it's uh, just the German one, Krampus. <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: gonna take my shoes or whatever happens. <laughs>
0: Um but yeah I, I don't know I this is a really great way to kick off the segment it's a it's it's a little bit uh transgressive for the era to make like a Christmas horror uh short like we've talked about with um Black Christmas Yeah and but there's a lot of blood cleaning up which immediately was like oh shit there's blood
1: in these movies i kind of forgot <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah it's a good intro it reminds me of i I it, yeah, I love this one but it reminds me of Father's Day in um Creepshow where uh, it's sort of setting a tone like yeah. we're going to be a little transgressive. There's going to be a little bit of blood, but um, and you're going to see some actors that, you know, but we're not actually like you don't even see Joan Collins die. You see like, the, no, like, that the door Collins opens and it's her. like
1: a freeze frame on like Santa killing her.
0: Yeah. Assuming and I would assume the daughter got it
1: pretty soon after.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, no, I mean, I think the daughter was fine because she believes in Santa Claus. <laughs> Jim Collins didn't believe in Santa Claus. If you believed in Santa Claus, you wouldn't murder your husband. No presents. Yeah. Uh, so should you, you do it? a podcast where you investigate crime, maybe? <laughs> we should do a true crime. Well, if you had to name one crime you'd want to investigate on We Love to Watch, what would it be? Nally Wood's death. Yeah. Let's say it at the same time. Nally Wood's death. Nally Wood's death. I know who Nally did Wood's it. Nally Wood's death? No, Let's just keep saying it until we say it at the same time. Nally Wood's death. Nally Wood's death. Nally Woods, Wood's Death, death. see <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, how that cuts together you know um, do you want me to talk about the second one yeah or Nally Wood's Death, death. more what happened on that boat um, <laughs> our first nine hour episode we know we just a have, six yeah, hour know. interlude
1: I mean the thing is everyone knows what happened on that boat but we have to pretend to investigate it for legal reasons yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um, like Aaron, know. I'm. You know I imagine that. you would rank Reflection of Death last, the way I re- ranked Reflection of Death last. Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's kind wild.
1: of a fun. Like one of the things, a lot of these these anthologies, they do the little twisty things, and I think I think this one does that. But it's it's the least interesting of the five stories.
0: Yeah. So what is it? Um, this guy is a very patently obvious cheat. His wife is just out to lunch mentally She just doesn't like doesn't catch on at all he is not a good liar um because they need to communicate to the audience that he's a liar but the yeah. wife is just like oh i'm a housewife like she's not a character don't sleep with other people Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, don't put your login in someone else's login or whatever yeah. they say um i got but, uh, I, I got a sweet crumpet at home for you
1: <laughs> Don't go out for tea and biscuits if you know what I mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Anyways, laddie dog, anyhow.
0: Um, but yes. Yeah, so I'd like she...
1: to borrow one shilling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he's like <laughs> I'll, I'll bet you if I I'll have <laughs> sex with someone that's not you tonight um but he's like he's like oh, I have a uh, business trip uh bedroom business trip no I'm just sorry a, a bed. I will have to sleep in a bedroom tonight not here because I have to, uh, a, a lot of business to attend to that's not here la-di-da ho I'll, um, I'll go to downstairs upper <laughs> You're gonna take a shite in the, in the top part of the toilet. <laughs> um, but um, he he. But uh, well,
1: John like, needs some wetting.
0: He ends up going to his love nest uh, because uh, he and his uh, mistress are going to sneak away in the night. And then we cut to them driving. Yeah. Um, and he is full on abandoning his family. This is not him just leaving his wife. Yeah. And, you know he'll he's le- abandoning abandoning his family and. Yeah. Um, they trade spots in the car because I guess they're driving a long way. and um, yeah, he uh, he she falls asleep at the wheel. There's a crash, yeah, and then he wakes up in a sort of daze and then the movie switches to the short switches to first person that's one of the things that like the short is like can't, isn't awful because it has like a first person uh, yeah i don't i don't Zombie dislike it in it, 1972 it is,
1: yeah i don't dislike it it just is very much like you know what's happening immediately yeah and then like the secondary of- twist is like kind of fun but it it's a t- it's a template Right. It's less it's less of an interesting idea and more like here's a
0: template like ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Like that's what it feels like to me. And it's shot. The sequence is all shot in first person perspective. Yeah. And people are terrified of him and running away. It very much reminds me of the VHS two segment that we'll be discussing next week. Yeah. um, With uh, the zombie bicyclist. Yeah. That Um, one's better. (laughs) Uh, yeah, because that one's funny. That um, this one this one is just, you know, it's it's cool to see first person. Well, and he's still talking. He's a zombie, but he's still talking a little bit too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, he finally sees someone that doesn't run away screaming from him. It's his mistress. He knocks on her door and he's like, and she's like, You've been dead for six months or whatever. And he finds out. Why is is all of our British impressions
1: Terry Jones from Monty
0: Python? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's the British person I've spent the most amount of time with. Um, The easiest one to do. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the reason she's not terrified of him is because she was blinded in the crash. So I think the message and then he wakes up. He's still in the car. Yeah. And then the crash happens (laughs) anyways. Yeah.
1: He got a premonition, but what's then what's funny is now he's, I guess, getting that premonition
0: retold. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't also, like, having a supernatural premonition doesn't help you if uh, it gives you a half a second of lead time. Yeah,
1: I mean, that story without the dream sequence, because presumably, since they don't tell more of it, that's where it ends, is that car crash. Is like, you got into a car and you crashed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now you're here with the crit keeper. <laughs> Uh, now you gotta play dominoes with me. <laughs> Ralph
1: Richardson. Uh, it's me, Ralph Richardson. You got to a oh, car. Sorry, uh,
0: Sir Ralph Richardson. Got your car. Sorry. You should
1: have gotten to the car. I get your story's not that
0: interesting as the rest of them. We'll give you a little dream sequence in there. <laughs> Spice it up a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just dies in a car crash. It's like in Creep Show, how like everybody gets a, like a massively cool death, but in the first one, uh Ed Harris just kinda gets really a oh, a tombstone yeah. dropped in his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um he was never the same.
0: Uh there's the yeah. so next one. Poetic Justice.
1: Poetic Justice, <laughs> yeah. So it's um it's Peter Cushing's in this one, which is great. Uh he uh he's kind of an older guy and he uh owns some dogs, he entertains children. Um, and there's a guy named James, a younger guy who hates that old guy. <laughs> he's just like I <laughs> don't like old people.
0: He takes he's a, a, he's a nimby he, he doesn't like that there's a like an older like I don't know he's not quite a pensioner but he's like an older like um, semi-retired garbage collector who has just been, had the house so long yeah. that um, gentrification didn't manage to catch up with him.
1: Yeah, and there's just a guy who just fucking hates him and is trying to make his life completely miserable uh, and drive him out of the house. And uh, what he doesn't know is that when you mess with a guy that looks like Peter Cushing, maybe he's got like a Ouija board or some other occult stuff. So, yeah, he's practicing uh, the
0: occult. Uh, but But notably, notably – he was a sweet, a sweet man guy. who yeah. cares for the local. Talking kids. to his, he I means he's, he's he's doing it
1: so he can talk to his old, his, his dead wife.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he's he's talking to his dead wife. He's 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 open, He's uh, getting around the horn. He's popping up in the Ouija every so often, getting the Ouija going. Yeah, and uh, then he's doing enough research that he's like, I want to come back from the dead, but I want to come back from the dead to be with my wife.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean eventually um he drives the old man to suicide. Um but then the next morning, uh obviously uh uh so he rises from the grave. As as you do in these movies. As is so, you want. As is you want. Uh and he uh kills James and then uh, James's dad walks in and finds him a great sequence of just this like Scrawled in blood note that says I've written down here Happy Valentine's Day You were mean and cruel right from the start Now you have no And then his beating heart <laughs> bloodied on it. Which is, I, I like This one is, is you know um, I think somewhat shocking for the ending as well Because it is a lot of just like you know, uh, an old sweet man being bothered about having his dog taken, played by Peter Cushing, who's like misses his wife and wants to be left alone. And the kind of brutality of the ending along, I mean, it, Poetic Justice is the perfect name for it, right? Like, which we talked about a lot in, and like, that can be sort of a, a basic template for these types of anthology horror stories, that there's some justice served out through supernatural means. And this is like, you know, that very literally, uh, both in the yeah. title and the the you know Peter Cushing is not a like complex figure. He is an, a completely good guy who gets tortured for no reason by an uncomplex figure in James. And at the end, while while Peter Cushing dies and you know in some way sweetly gets to just be with his wife, he also gets one last laugh that you know uh, cuts James's life short.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like it, it, James is like as you as you stated sort of taking his life piece by piece and it's like very cruel like he finds a way to get the guy's dogs taken away from him he finds a way to make him lose his job and thus his his retirement pay so his pension so like he's probably going to lose the house he spreads rumors that he's uh like a child molester so the children that usually would come and hang out with him like their parents won't come around anymore and then finally when he gets these mean valentines from uh supposedly the 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 neighboring um the neighbors. Um, he uh that's that's like the final straw for them. He can't he hasn't he's lost all purpose in his life. He's lost all of his companionship and his in dogs and people. And he was getting by off of making these toys out of, you know, recycled, recycled garbage out of out of people. There's a scene where he's like, Peter Cushing is doing something that like In in, uh, Tales from the Uncanny and a few other places, people say, like, this is who Peter Cushing was in real life. Like, being, like, a sweetie and he, like, loved kids and he loved, like, entertaining people and, like, listening to your stories and asking how your day was. Like, he was apparently a very, very sweet man, which I think is, like, why whenever he's in a movie, I just get happy. Yeah. And when I saw Rogue One, I was like, maybe don't make a, a Gola of my... One of my favorite actors. Please. Yeah, do like a shadow or something. <laughs> or just recast him. Do the do the Dr. Sleep thing. It was cool in Doctor Sleep. Um But um and then dedicate, you know, do a dedication to Carrie Fisher and and Peter Cushing and all the people that have passed away, right? Um but I guess Carrie Fisher and died at that point. But um my point is that there's actually like a lot of shots in this where he reminds me of my very, very sweet 96-year-old grandfather, just, like, in terms of look. Yeah. Because, like, he's, like, this... What he's Peter Cushing is doing his, like, sweet little smile and his gentle little smile, and he's being playful with the kids, and it's not creepy at all. It's just, like, who Peter Cushing was as a real person um, and why him and Christopher Lee were, like, friends. Um, Very much reminded me of my grandfather, and it's very... I don't know. That's, like, one of the reasons this one touched me so much. It's just, like... (laughs) <laughs> That's kind of who my grandfather is He's just hes just kind of like He just lives in his little house He's a retired guy He just lives in his little house His wife passed away He's eternally dedicated to her He does no occult stuff Because he's an old Catholic um, But he just like adores oh, his Oh he doesn't eat the blood his of, of his god <laughs> Yeah Sounds pretty usually, occulty to me Peter Yeah he usually just does uh, Regular old uh, Catholic cultism Oh cool Okay um, um, you know the established stuff, the canon stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stick to the not hits. Get, he doesn't get a Milton Bradley product involved. <laughs> stick to the hits. Yeah. Stick to the hits. So uh, yeah, th- th- this this one is a really great segment because I care about this character immediately, um, and then um, I get, care about the revenge. I'd still rank it number like three. I-, I do think I go like from
1: backwards. It goes one, two, three. The first one is a four, and then the last
0: one is, is five. Or the second one's five. We'll go through. We'll go through the rankings at the end because sure. I want to. I want to get through all them. This is my second favorite, though. Okay, I really
1: um, like. I know you're going to talk to the plot. I like the next one because it takes a uh, anthology. Uh, idea that is done to death in these even by nineteen seventy two and it adds a meta commentary of everyone being very aware of what's of what's occurring and being unable to stop wishing for things
0: <laughs> yes exactly so you you nailed it what yeah. I like about this, so wish you were here is um <clears throat> a riff on monkey's paw, so uh a bankrupt uh business guy who's kind of an asshole. He got um, this Chinese figurine abroad, um, and it has a deal connected to it where you can make a certain number of wishes. After a certain point, you can keep making wishes, but they're only going to turn sour on you. Um, But you're basically like, because everybody in the story grew up reading Monkey's Paw. Yeah, they all know. They're like, this is a Monkey's Paw situation, which (laughs) is great. Yeah. They all think that um, – the short actually has a really good point here. They all think that they can either outsmart it, or they're so distraught that they know there's a monkey paw, monkey's paw scenario, but they can't fucking help themselves. Yeah, like okay, okay so really so there, yeah, so there will
1: be mix come, of points,
0: hundred percent.
1: So like, sure, I like, I understand there's going to be repercussions from wishing that, but if I weigh the repercussions against in like the ending case, getting how much I miss my husband, the repercussions are worth it. In that, yeah, but you still. Like the whole point is that you don't get your to have your cake and then pay a price. Your cake is uh, shitten and poisoned.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. So essentially, this businessman uh, he is hanging out with his wife. All they have left is they're selling all their stuff. All they have left is this Chinese figurine. They make their wish. The businessman's bike crashes. Or sorry, excuse me. The businessman they wish is to have their money. At- and they she wishes to have their money yeah. the um businessman is driving away from the house to go you know um meet with his accountant again um I made a wish and for that money he there's a guy a spooky guy on a skeleton is it a skeleton on a bike that the effect doesn't look that good or is it a guy with a skeleton mask I think it's a I guy I think ladder. it's like a guy with a.
1: it's a guy from psychomania who spilled
0: it. I mean like yeah like like in a literal sense like for the movie it's it's supposed to be like a, a, I think a, it's just supposed to be a biker got yeah a biker with a cool mask got it okay um so this biker is is shown there and then it, it seems that he crashed his wife is distraught this all happens comically fast by the way yeah um the accountant comes over and he's like, I'm so sorry about your husband, but you're rich again because he had a huge life insurance policy. Um, She's like, oh, well, the wish it happened. It just got, you know, it got monkeys pawed up. Um, and so why don't we um, why don't I wish for him to come back? He's like, have you read Monkey's Paw? She's like, yeah, I read fucking Monkey's Paw. She does it anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and the, the end twist is great. Like he does come back from the dead, but they, he's already been embalmed. So he uh, he's back from the dead and screaming and writhing in torturous pain of having the liquid. But again, he now is not able to die. So he's essentially sentenced to an eternity of torture uh, but still exists, and again, the, the, you can cannot outsmart the monkey's paw like it's it's not gonna give you your husband back, but like you know he's cold in bed or something like oh, well, it's still so nice we don't- we don't we don't make uh make royal whoopee anymore but uh. <laughs> At least he's here. He's a little, little bit of a cold fish. It's like, no, you've you've brought your husband back for an eternity of pain on on earth. <laughs> yeah. Whoopsie daisies for you.
0: Whoopsie Dooders. But I,
1: I I actually like your like it, this does feel very like uh, progressive from like storytelling of evolution because you know, I know there was even some of those like Corman uh anthology stuff that does monkey's paw. Monkey's paw is obviously a older story, and I really like that they're but a story that will continue to be used in anthologies. I think there's even other Amicus ones that kind of has Monkey's Paw as a, as a, cause it's an easy one. Like, you know, be careful what you wish for type stuff.
0: Um, it's, it's also the, uh, in, in arguably the best Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Yeah. Uh, oh, 100%. Um,
1: and uh, and so, like, the fact that they're doing this fun commentary and like, yeah, but here's the thing. If you have something that can make a wish come true, it's going to be very hard for you not to somehow utilize that, even knowing that you may – that there may be some uh, some sodium benzoate attached to it. Um, which brings us to Blind Alleyways, which is one, the one that we've actually covered on our anthology special that we released in 2016. I think easily the best one, which is why we – we covered it. Maybe the best one out of both of these movies. Um, although I didn't rank them that across movies, Peter. So if you did. I, I didn't do that either. Good. We'll do that for
0: VHS. We're going to do that for VHS because
1: that, yeah. that sounds like a lot of fun. But
0: yeah, that's fine. Um, we, But we also kind of went through this exercise um, – with uh, with our episode, I don't know, five or six years.
1: Yeah, and I didn't get a chance to re-listen to that. Um, but really quickly, since did not make you go, like, why aren't they going to mention it all? It's it's a bunch of this this like proper British like fucking capitalist takes over this home for the blind, and they don't have any money. He's like starving them while he's living the high life because again, the money's allocated for him differently than allocated for people that are eating gruel. Um and eventually they, you know, they give him his comeuppance. They take his dog and ultimately make him move through this um this uh this narrow hallways that um, you know, basically cut cut him up with razor blades and torture him through that. Um it's fantastic. Um and it and it feels Peter watching it for the first time in like six years, it just feels I Uh, well, I don't remember if we talked about this. We probably did, because one thing I've noted when I do listen back to our old shows is that I'm remarkably consistent as a thinker. (laughs) Um, And I will say things that I'm like, I will think, and then I'll say them on the show, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm just a person uh, reacting to stimuli as opposed to anyone with free will, whatever. Um, But it does feel like this is just still a very incredibly relevant story. Like, that idea of... um, People in a position of power and wealth who um, prioritizing profits um, and exploiting people that theoretically they're supposed to serve or care for like just you know just feels constant like that was definitely a, a trump thing but it's just basically all politicians the idea that there's there's always money in the budget for tax cuts for the rich there's always money in the budget for bailouts for corporations and friends and everything like that and there's never money for health care for people that don't have means or protecting people or stuff like that and in the same way when they confront the proprietor in this show it's like well the money's not allocated for that uh they're using the bare minimum to quote unquote uh, support people while they're they are taking the same amount of money and supporting them because they have the job that they get benefits from and why wouldn't you see that so yeah not only um not only incredibly good and scary and spooky and that realization when he's going to have to walk through the hallway um and it won't be able to navigate a narrowing hallway with, with that's going to fuck them up. Uh, is fantastic. It, it feels like the most like socially conscious and relevant out of all these stories as well.
0: You're right. And, and so I discussed in the creep show episode, I was like, um, all, but, um, father's day, um, all of them have a moment where I feel a sense of dread or just like, I, I don't want to be in this situation. Um, which, you know, for such a funny, goofy thing, like that's pretty powerful, right? Yeah. Like, um, there's at least one moment in every creep show segment, except for Father's Day where I'm like, oh my God, that's horrifying. Like it is activating my horror triggers. Yeah. This one is, I think Blind Allies is the only one of the, of the, um, Tales from the Crypt, um, uh, entries that makes me feel that feeling of like oh Christ that would be terrifying and it is like it is like a weirdly like sober British version of a saw trap <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like I oh I need to run through a razor blade hallway in a set amount of time yeah. my dog is chasing me yeah um, <clears throat> but the dog's hungry uh, yeah I like the segment so much I, it's my favorite in both of the movies yeah. um, that's why I ranked it so highly in our episode yeah five or six years ago five or six bootopers ago Um, my own, and I like it so much that I'm fine with, um, the, the movie doing, uh, German shepherd slander, um, that, uh, this thing would take like 12 hours and then we'd run and chase after him and try and eat him. (laughs) Well, what if he's really hungry though, Peter? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen, seen German shepherds, but, um, they're, uh, they wouldn't do that. Uh I mean, have you seen the movie Max? I know that that specific German Shepherd would probably avenge the death of fallen soldiers from <laughs> Afghanistan against other dogs. I'm just saying he's a good oh, boy. Waterfall. He has a
1: gu- Thomas H. Church points a gun at his head because he killed his son. <laughs> it's a movie for kids. <laughs> movie for kids
0: no. um but i you you i think the the thing is you did the synopsis and the themes of this uh short so i don't have i don't have too too much to say about it except for just uh loving on the small details um <clears throat> there's um there's uh, 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 a Great amount of small little character moments between Patrick McGee, who plays the head of the seeing impaired, um, you know, that's like blind school, um, or blind, um, residence home, um, Uh, sort of union um and nigel patrick who's the shithead ex-military guy who wants to run it like the military um which the military also has this sort of problem with like austerity right like yeah I, I, i don't i don't feel
1: i don't feel like i'm going on a limb to say i also think the military is bad like the guy in this movie
0: yeah and and i think you know even lacking uh the uh cultural context um i think we can say that about the british military as well Did they
1: ever do anything uh, notable that would be people people would think is uncouth? Mm,
0: Are we talking like after 1939? Because also yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We talked about Margaret Thatcher, right? Um, uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I love I love that. Okay, so in these shorts, there's usually an act of almost brazen supernatural. um ability happening, right a monkey's paw or vampires or the 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 living dead or whatever, right I think that in this short, there's almost a supernatural ability for the uh the seeing impaired people, the blind people to communicate like almost telepathically because like the fact that they're able to secure two cells, one for major and one for. Uh, Shane, which is the dog. Um, and those cells have no, they have bars on the windows and they have no nothing they could use to pry open the doors and they know that those cells are secure. Like that would take like weeks upon weeks of feeling every single corner of that uh, if you you know you you couldn't get down there all the time. And, um, like that's almost supernatural that like this particular group of people with a specific disability could engineer this plot. In a reasonable amount of time, um, and with a, without anybody losing losing the faith, like they're all so fucking pissed, and they they coordinate so quickly, um, and uh, I I love that as sort of a tweak because it's it's um, it is like it's 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 the definition of like the the empowerment of the underclass, right? Like yeah. the the, re- the reason that the reason that people like the the major act that way is because they think the underclass can't do shit to them um yeah and I, I i love i love any story where like the, a particular act of either you know just <laughs> really good union organizing um or a little bit of supernatural help maybe a combination of the both um allows a underclass to rise up and and take over the um their their sort of like fascist austerity um beliefs. yeah a hundred percent uh it it does
1: feel good and again it's it's they basically saying, like, we can't live on this garbage for, you know, we're we're basically stuck in this 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 halfway home for the rest of our lives. And you're torturing us while living the high life on the idea that it's you're lucky you get anything uh, in the same way you see people on like Fox News and other shows be like, you know, they're spending their food stamps on pop. They shouldn't enjoy anything in their life ever. If they are getting any sort of assistance in any capacity, uh, blah blah blah. And again, it feels very relevant. Uh, it's frustrating.
0: I saw them spending their food their food stands on chips.
1: Yeah what are the, what are they doing? Uh, those people that are eating food. Um, <laughs> It's like Those all, people that know that ninety-six value of percent of people were. on food stamps have a cell phone, literally a required device to work and everything else these days. Can you believe it, Peter? God, I remember there, there was there was a there was something about like people under the poverty line. I remember this from a long time ago that like noted that how many of them had a refrigerator as like some sort of like oh. <laughs> They had, like,
0: 98%
1: have a refrigerator. It's like, I want, like, they really are like, I want my poor people in the street eating gruel before I'm going to say that they should get any sort of, like, not have to pay income taxes. Uh, anyways, yeah. a lot of people in this country are horrible, and I wish there was a blind alley. They don't want their
0: milk fun. to rot. Yeah. An ice box. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the – and like I'm not – I can't say this for a fact. I'm sure there's some market forces driving this. I think the appearance of any appliance, any major appliance within a, a rented uh, unit um, is probably somewhat dictated by the city and state standards for what a rentable unit is. Yeah. I mean the fact that three percent don't have it,
1: uh, should be concerning to you. Yeah, you're like, how do they keep their milk from going bad? They don't buy milk, they buy high C <laughs> <laughs> That
0: also bothers
1: I mean, me for some reason.
0: High C and Fruity Pebbles. We yeah. never lived until you had high C and Fruity Pebbles. Um I will say, uh that this is the first movie does a better job of avoiding the exoticism or sort of, like, I don't know, problematic stuff uh, than the second movie. Um, there's only two things really here. Like, one, they they do – there's a fancy Chinese sculpture, but that's, you know, it's just sort of part and parcel um, of, of this era of movies. This movie is literally 50 years old. Um, this one isn't so much offensive as, like, kind of funny to me. But, like, this movie does play off the myth that uh, that people who are seeing impaired turn into daredevil. <laughs> That if you're seeing impaired, you get like extra, like, oh, I have extra tasting powers or I have extra smell powers.
1: Uh, I'm sorry, Peter. My entire experience with uh, unsighted people is through the Marvel's Daredevil Netflix series. So, <laughs> this is news to me. I'll do my research to be a better ally at the end of this
0: <laughs> no i mean they can they can focus on specific stimuli because one isn't there i mean like, i also mean i guess, guess i also know fucking, a little bit about the Marvel. condition
1: from the val kilmer film at first sight where the that movie is that he is a they they are able to re to give him sight and he doesn't like it <laughs> hmm never heard of this movie at first it's val kilmer and mira savino <laughs> Uh, the plot of the movie is that there's a there is a blind person who is given sight. And he uh, it, it is a burden for him, uh, and it affects his relationship with Mira Savino. Uh No bueno. Yeah, he I'm says. sure it holds up well.
0: Uh, um, yeah. Do you want to do you want to rank them really quickly? Yes, yeah, I, so I, I kind of already did. Five. So I go, I go, I uh, go. Reflection of death. I go blind. Well, oh, from the bottom. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you got to go bottom and top. Uh, Reflection of death. Right. Yes. I go... All right, what's your number four?
1: Number four is the Christmas one. Okay. Number three is Poetic Justice. Number okay. two... Uh, wish You Were Here. Number one, Blind alleyways.
0: You're just naming Pink Floyd out
1: Um <laughs> number, number zero, Animals. <laughs> <laughs> um, number one not, not com- B, Piper at the Gate of Dawn.
0: <laughs> this is not like VHS, where I think we might actually have legitimate arguments, because we're going to be doing like... A, a lot of a seconds. lot of different movies, yeah. Um, I my list is number five. We're we're on the same page. Um, the uh, reflection of death. Number four um, for me is wish you were here. Um, and uh, number three, all through the house. Number two is um, is poetic justice, and then number one is blind alleys. The thing is, though, except for number five. I love all of them. I do, too. I think this is a very consistent anthology movie. I do, too, which is also
1: kind of my take of the next one, too. I actually like – I like to love all of those as well. Um, and I, I I, think there's two in, in Vault 4, which we're about to start talking about, that stand out for me as, like, the best. But I think the other three are all very good. I, I think the worst one out of all of them is Reflections of Death um, between the two movies. Um But uh, I guess we're going to see very soon if Peter agrees
0: with me Yeah wait hold on real quickly I just have to oh sorry Yeah, Yeah, just
1: do your your transfer And I'll talk about this on the other side Oh I was just going to say but we'll see very quickly Because we're going to talk about Horror right now Right now Yep we are. Like, there's no musical break. We're just going to talk about it. <laughs>
0: um, on the other side, I just wanted to note something very funny. So, because of access in England, because EC Comics is American, because of access that Milton that, – that, that, Yeah, uh, they call it ek
1: comments because they don't even know. They're like, oh, you got ek comments.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I end up calling it Zed Comics. Yeah, the, um, the only way they talk about it is in the chimney suite <laughs> section of London. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is interesting about um, the two between the two movies in the first movie and all through the house is a Volta- vault is from a vault of horror um, mag. Yeah. Reflection of Death is from Tales from the Crypt. Poetic Justice is from Haunt of Fear, as is Wish You Were Here. And then Blind Alleys is from Tales from the Crypt. So, like, only two out of five of them are from Tales from the Crypt. And in the next one, none of them are from Vault of Horror. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh shock suspense stories and then tales from the crypt tales from the crypt. Yep, that's 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 it. None of them are actually from Vault of Horror. Yeah. which I think is is very funny. Yeah, but they did mark this as a
1: sequel, like below the or yeah, they called they said below the crypt is the Vault of Horror, which uh, so they were kind of doing it's like this is going to be a direct sequel. We're still going to do the same sort of thing. Uh, and again, funny that uh, Asylum came out in between, which uh, just shows how many of these they were making in a short amount of time.
0: But yeah, we were yeah, like- and it had uh, Asylum was. Right- Robert Block, so uh, I think, like, you know, they had a different writing and directing stack going on at the time. They were just, like, ready. They were roaring to go. They were roaring. So, we already talked a little bit
1: about the framing device. Instead of going down the stairs, they go on a lift, as they would say, uh, and they sit down start talking about the worst dreams that they've ever had, a recurring nightmare. Uh, and the first one is one of my favorites. It's called Midnight Mess. Uh, it is uh, essentially a. Uh, I love so. I love this sort of framing. I'll go. I'll go through the plot. The um uh, the, our our main character um Harold goes and kills his sister to you know again shitty shitty anthology horror protagonist pro- protagonist in air quotes kills his sister to get some money uh, and then he goes to a like town and has a meal and starts discovering that some things are there may be some vampires lurking um and he um he goes to a a, a restaurant his sister's there and he thinks he's like there, there's a there's a question about I think there's a little bit of a like is he a vampire what's going on here and there's this amazing reveal at the restaurant where they the curtains come up and you see everyone in the restaurant and he's the only one showing in the reflection of the mirror cuz everyone else is a vampire and they the, the he's the meal his sister's back is a vampire wasn't actually killed or was brought back to, to by a vampire I'm not 100% sure um and they drink his blood they literally like f- put a fucking like spigot in his neck and fill up the fill up the cup with blood and uh, yeah that's the end of it and I love this one Peter I really do uh, I'm a sucker for actually um actually everyone else is the monster uh, type stories and I think that just comes from like that's the twist ending of maybe five Goosebump stories where like uh, most famously I think there's that one camp one. Uh, What is it? Uh, Something horror camp. I don't remember what it's called, Um, where the whole thing of that is that, like, there's these kids and there might be these monsters at this camp and they're investigating. And the end of it is that you find out they're actually all (coughs) um, space aliens, monsters, and it's a (coughs) excuse me. Um, and the camp is training them to visit the strangest world of all, Earth. Uh, but I, I love, like, I, again, I don't know if it's because of goosebumps. I do love the twist that, oh shit, this guy's not a weird vampire who killed someone. Everyone else is is a vampire, and he's their meal. That's Wicker Man, too, right?
0: Yeah, Spoilers yeah. Spoilers for Wicker I, I also- Man. Yeah, I also I love in I saw the devil. I was just thinking about that. <clears throat> um the moment when the serial killer gets in the cab and realizes he's in a, in a trap for another set of serial killers. <laughs> yeah. Like I I love uh evil versus evil. I've been trying to format a month for it for a while cuz I want to do verses cuz like verses about a bunch of asshole mafia guys that have to fight zombies. Like I want to do, I want, uh, I like mo- the movie innocent blood, which is about a bunch of oh, yeah. guys that have to fight vampires. Um, yeah. *Innocent Blood's great. lot Fight vampires. Yeah. I, I, uh, I really like the concept of, uh, just sticking a bunch of dirt bags up against each other. Yeah. The
1: reveal here is great too. That scene where that curtain comes down and he's the only one, uh, that you can see his reflection is just fantastic. Like I, I love it. It's, it's,
0: it's a great practical effect. Yeah. Um, I, I rewatched the shot a couple times try and figure out what they were doing. I don't think they're doing the thing where there's just another dining room on the other side. Um, I don't think they're doing that because the actor looks the same. I mean, yeah. Like,
1: unless there was some sort of like clone or twin of him. I don't know how else they would I do it. I think
0: it might be a composite thing. Regardless, it looks I really love, good. I love in-camera special effects where you're just like – yeah. You're just like, oh, you did that by spending a week with a special effects guy. You probably had you probably shot all the dialogue scenes in the time it took for you to assemble this one scene. (laughs) And then by the time the scene was ready, you're like, oh, there's the there is the special effect that people are going to go. Holy shit. (laughs) Um, yeah and i love that whatever whatever budget they spent on the vault of as well
1: yeah whatever budget they spent on the special effects they're like well we're it's got to come out of somewhere and they choose the teeth budget i think um they're very (laughs) i think it's uh, it's charming they do look different than most vampire teeth even if it is a little uh protruding (laughs)
0: Um. Yeah, and I love us I love again we talked about like do you have to devote empathy to these people at all no. or do you get to just be a crypt keeper because of the length of these and because of the length of like a tales from the crypt episode and such I don't have to devote empathy to these people I can just go like like, wake up, dumbass, you're in Tooth Town. Wake up! <laughs> yeah, and the uncensored, so I
1: found out why that, what's the uncensored Blu-ray that is not even on the Shout DVD, Peter. It's essentially the scene of them putting the spigot in and, and making it a glass fill up with blood. Like, it cuts that before the rad. spigot goes into his neck.
0: Yeah, that's right. Would have loved to see it. I do love that he- Wait, do you have the DVD have- or the Blu-ray? I have the Blu-ray. Oh, so you saw it then? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I have seen it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the the um. It's yeah. It's like a wooden handle, like yeah. an old timey thing. Yeah. It adds a bit of like British grant, a uh, uh, British uh, class to it. You know. Yeah. Um. There. But there. It's funny. Like it's a very simple gag, but all of them being sort of like very happy that uh, they they got them. <laughs> But they're all sort of, like, a little fancy. They're all, like, they're all talking about, like, basically, like, the tannins of his blood. And yeah. What the blood tastes like. Like, it's it's a gag that, like, that I know vampire movies will do, like, straight-faced. But in this sort of, like, silly, quick, quick kind of joke where, like... He accidentally gets served blood at the vampire restaurant before they realize he's a human. Yeah. It's so, fu- it's so oh, tomato juice. And then he's, he's like. Yeah, that's why, out.
1: like, I, I I, always felt like, oh, is the is the? I, th- I feel like they're setting up, is he actually the vampire?
0: Yeah, and he is a psychopath. Like, he hires that PI, and then he kills that PI
1: immediately. And yeah, he kills right? his
0: sister for money and, like, yeah. Immediately. Yeah. I like when they can use little shorthand for these and be like, "Uh, it's an inheritance. That's why this guy is so possessed." Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: uh-huh. the neat job. Yeah. Um, so there's a uh elder sort of controlling bachelor. Yeah. Um who takes on a wife in sort of like the British version do you, of Do you do you marriage? know what his
1: character's name is cuz it's the most British thing ever?
0: Uh, no, no, no. I just have the actor's name. Arthur Critchett. Arthur Critchett. Arthur Arthur Critchit. Um, so, Arthur Critchit takes on a younger wife. Um a trophy
1: wife who is uh a hi- who's his age.
0: Yeah, right. Rob- robbing the cradle. Um <laughs> a sixty-year-old man is dating a forty-five-year-old woman or something. <laughs> yeah, I, think <laughs> I think they're the exact same age. I think they're the same. Uh she's from uh she's the
1: mom in uh, Mary Poppins.
0: Yes. I knew I, I I didn't click on her on, on Wikipedia because these, these it's always just this like Cast of like, yeah. five actors. She
1: was not in Star said. Wars, but she wasn't. Uh, the entire cast of this movie is either in a Star Wars or a Mary Poppins.
0: She didn't play an Ewok. Uh, no, too tall. T- the tall Ewok. She uh, played
1: Chewbacca when Peter Mayhew <laughs>
0: needed a little break. <laughs> he played. She played short Chewbacca. Yeah.
1: She's breaking barriers <laughs> is the first woman Chewbacca. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the first Chewbacca under six five. <laughs> um, Women can
1: be so- Chewbacca's now too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Normal tall kings get to play Chewbacca. <laughs> yeah, um, but he is a he's a. I I actually really like this this one. I do too. Uh, yeah. It's 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 a little bit off tone for the rest of them, but because it, it's it's so silly, but it is like it is about a controlling bachelor who takes this young wife. He's just basically been focused on like business and be, the business of being a controlling British guy. Yeah. But he's like controlling not in a like terrifying way. He's controlling in an irritating a yeah, very way. irritating, annoying way. And he's he's and good. Like, I mean, he's his kind of typecasting is irritating British guy, so he does that very yeah. well. And it's a comedy of manners, yeah. right? So, it's about it's about people trying to protect each other's, like, uh, ego and sort of uh, save face, right? So, he takes – his wife is, like, fun and she, like, kind of likes him. But she's like, he's just got this one thing. Like, he won't let me do anything. Yeah, she freaks um, out when she moves stuff around even their bedroom. She, like, she oh, I put stuff in, sure a I in a dresser. In a dresser? Like, God. Yeah. He has Yes, he has the goofiest British accent. He's ex- incredibly controlling. He's, like – and I, he's he's what I would I think he's sort of like a stereotype of somebody with obsessive compulsive disorder. But um, people with obsessive compulsive disorder very often cope with living with partners who aren't. Um, yeah, I mean this guy's just so, British.
1: I think we can say so. He's
0: just a, a British weirdo. British um, he's not. He's not. It's not like major in uh, blind alleys where he's categorized as like a fascist. He's just. He's just a weird. He's just guy. annoying. Uh, but but um, clearly, but like, oh, you'll get to it. Sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, he's, he's, it, it, it's, um, he, he, she is, uh, trying to reorganize the house. She, he keeps rebutting her. He talks down to her. He's very condescending in this, like, high pitched sort of British way. He gets, he's making dinner one night for her to try and, like, be nice. And then he ends up screaming at her about fucking, um, her not replacing cans in the cabinet. Like, her domestic duties are, like, replacing cans in the cabinet and then logging them within these, like, dry erase charts within the cabinet. And it's it's honestly a story about how mid-century modern visions of domesticity drive people bonkers. Like, it's it's a story about how, like, being a housewife and having absolutely no limitations – or, sorry, having absolutely nothing but limitations um, is, is, like, unhealthy and gross. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes the segment so fun when she finally kind of breaks breaks out and uh, kills him. Um, well, yeah, she,
1: he's just yelling. He's berating her on the stairs over the – and she spent all day cleaning, like really trying to organize. And he's like upset about one thing out of place that she hadn't done. And he um, – yeah, she, she's, she hits him with a hammer, kills him.
0: There's a sequence that really gets us on her side, which is that, like, the house looks spotless, except for, oh, no, she left a little smudge on the table. And then she goes to clean the smudge, and then she gets a a smudge on the carpet. It's very like, meet the parents, just like, this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. And she panics because 6 p.m. is rolling around. He's going to come home. And um, she organizes him. She organizes his body parts into jars and in a really terrific psych gag. Yeah. his teeth, his with a distinct um gap tooth, are in a jar um with uh, you know, it says like dentures. And then there's a jar next to it that I think is implying it's it's nuts, and it says like odds and ends. Yeah. Right next to it. I think it's implying it's as nuts, because
1: there's just, Or I mean in yeah. fairness, she's not a doctor, so she doesn't know for sure what it is. I, yeah, it could I, be a gallbladder. I, she she understands. I like the idea that like his, like, insidious fucking annoyance got under her skin so much that it wasn't just an act of, like, I can't take it anymore desperation. That, and, like, in a moment of just rage, understandable rage that she slams a hammer down on his head and kills him. That, like, she fucking hates him so much that after she's dead, <laughs> he, she still, like, gives him the biggest fuck you that she can think of. <laughs> Um, Like, I I think that's very funny, like, that, like, she's not in any way apologetic. She's not in any way like, oh, my God, I can't believe in in an act of a momentary, like, drop of reason I killed my husband because he was being annoying. Like, she is like, no, not only did he deserve it, I'm going to desecrate his corpse in a way that's meant to mock what he cared about in his life. Like, I love that. It's great.
0: And you are on her side.
1: (laughs) Or, or,
0: you know, there's, like, a version of it where she has full agency and this is her fully going, um, you know, you, you go, girl. The other version of it is that domesticity drove her crazy to the point that she's like, this is how we organize things. And then she starts organizing things in the manner that he would see fit because bodies are very messy. So, like, it's either that she's doing this consciously as a sort of arch fuck you to him. Yeah. Um, or... She has gone so cuckoo bananas because of mid-century domesticity and, you know, not letting women leave the house or do anything for themselves that um, she's like, oh, well, if there's a dead body in the house, I need to organize things. I think her I think her (laughs) I need
1: to keep things tidy. Yeah, I I definitely think you can read it that way. I think her line at the end where she's kind of like, well, Arthur, I hope you like it now with a lot of fucking she got a lot of sass in that. That but she doesn't
0: leave, like, the rest of the house dirty. She goes and cleans everything up. There's shots of her having cleaned everything else in the house, which I think leads me to believe, like, this. the second one is, it was was my first inclination, right? That she's just, like, she's gone so cuckoo pajamas because, like, that's, like, the expectation of her culturally. Yeah, I, I can see
1: that. I, I like the kind of, like, uh, again, just he – I like the – I'm going to continue to give you a middle finger through
0: through your, your, your <laughs> yeah. corpse separation. Um, yeah. because uh, so Aaron, deserves, do you want to tell me about... Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, I was going to say he did because he deserves it. So, yeah. It's my take. Uh, I'm going to keep talking over you and you're going to keep talking over me as I go. Um, we got to go to the next one. We got to go to the next so,
1: one. So, uh, this trick will kill you, which uh, is... I, I really like this one. It definitely has some... Um, some othering and uh, of of another culture, but I also think it has like very clear anti-colonialism as a messaging that that works mm-hmm. well for me. So essentially, this this like this older British rich couple visits. They go to India, and there's a trick with a very common trick with the you know a woman plays plays a, a musical instrument. A, I don't know, it a clarinet. It's like not like a I don't know what what, what instrument does she play. It's a flute or something. Yeah. It's
0: like a woodwind. Yeah, so it's, it's a definitely woodwind. a woodwind. There you go.
1: And sh- uh, she she does it, and the this rope kind of slivers slithers up to the ceiling like like a snake, and it's you know sturdy and strong. And this this British guy is like, I need to have it. I have to possess it. It is something that I can make a lot of money on. He's trying to get her to say how it's done, and she is like, No, it's like this isn't for you. You know, she she will not give up the, the product and she will not give it up. She's like, no, it's like this part of my culture. It's part of my ancestry. It's not for you. And again, and, and I think what is really stepping into that, like colonialism commentary, he does not take that as an answer. He tries to get it from her and he eventually kills her to take it because he's a white guy who wants it. And why wouldn't he have it? And wh- if they're not going to give it up through reason and money, as he says, um, then I'm going to have to just take what I want. So so he does it. He blows the flute, and essentially the um, the rope uh, the rope in classic comeuppance poetic justice. Uh, the rope does work with the flute, but ends up hanging him and killing him. And as he's floating in the air with the rope, we uh, cut to the street and find out that the woman is not is not dead at all. So she was she was very much kind of uh, somewhat I think in control on that idea of fine if this is what you're going to do you really don't understand like my power and what I can do back and she she uh through his own come executes her revenge but I, I do really like this this overall story and I, I um I, I think it's it's again it's anti-colonialism sentiment is pretty clear
0: yeah yeah it's it's um it, it, it definitely uh, like a lot of these uh sort of this type of story it um wades into exoticism of uh not- notably orientalism yeah it it, it does kind of have its cake and eat it too a little bit in the sense that it's like it does play to the idea that you know these this Indian market is full of um these magical magical people um yeah and also you know tricksters but and it does play to that a little bit but the overall story the point of the story the intention of the story is this yes yeah, this awesome anti-colonialist uh, message which is like you can kill individuals you can steal their culture and try and make it your own but um cultures have resiliency like she if she is like a metaphoric piece of of, of her own culture like cultures have resiliency and uh wouldn't it be nice if these colonialists got some sort of cosmic karmic uh comeuppance um, from, from, uh, from, yeah, that. from their stance and,
1: of like, we can either bribe you or kill you, but either way, we're going to take it.
0: Yeah. And then the two things I love is, okay, so when the wife dies, she gets a full on cosmic horror death. She gets to the top of the rope. She looks at something. Her eyes go wide. She screams and then she blinks out of existence and just leaves a blood spot. Yeah, behind. that's great. She's never seen yeah. again. Gone. She's not dead in the closet. And she somewhere.
1: is, she is a hundred percent supportive of if you need to kill this lady to get the rope. You do that. Kill that lady. Yes.
0: This is not a a ladies stick together story. This is the story of how uh, white women are also perpetrators of, of colonialism, right? And then... I do kind of like that he gets choked with the rope at the end because yeah. that's also that's a colonialist technique, right? Is like the public hanging yep. of dissenters. It was used. It was used by the British to hang, uh, you know, dissenters in India during colonialist eras. Like using both uh, a cosmic horror image that's actually pretty pretty spooky when it happens because it is just so like rip, rip roaring, and then taking a colonialist imagery which is like oh these people have been not behaving well according to the rules that we have set for them yeah Uh, i think those people get hanged um that that uh that i i like that as a a fitting death for him
1: yeah i think the only thing like if they ever made an updated version of this i think um what would be helpful is as you kind of Partially noted is if they would change it so that when he is hanged, uh, he's also jerking off because that's what the kids are into these days is autoerotic asphyxiation. And it's good to know that there's a danger in it. And I think that would have been a good like after school type message to let kids know, hey, it feels great, apparently, uh, to (laughs) to to come on the verge of death (laughs) and lack of air. But don't do it or you'll end up like this guy.
0: That would be a pretty good Tales from the Crypt story um, if everybody had done massive fraud. They had taken advantage of seeing impaired people. And they had um, they had murdered their their family for money, uh, and then it's just a kid who, because uh, Christianity is very full of rules, uh, just checked off weird. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Felt great, but I died. Um, <laughs> as, the, as the tweet goes. Uh, all right what's the what's the fourth story? The penultimate story.
0: Bar- bargain and death is the weak one for me. Um, it Agreed. Is, it is something. That, this is here's here's why I, I give it the same knock that I give Father's Day. There's too much plot for a short story. Therefore, it's just sort of a couple weird things happen. Yeah. So. A guy, a, an author, has a life. In, I guess his his career's failure or some shit. He has a life insurance scam with his friend. He needs to. It's so it's got it's still got so many twists and it's exhausting. It's, it's so exhausting. It, it's like he, just do a buried alive. Yeah, he, he, he has a life insurance. He, he's going to take some sort of drug that'll make him appear dead. He gets buried alive without being embalmed. His friend is going to his friend is supposed to dig him up and then they can, you know, split the life insurance money off of the policy together. At the same time, two medical students hear that there's a dead body in the graveyard and they're going to go dig him up um, because he dies, you know, supposedly dies in their their unit or their building. Um, they're going to go dig him up in the middle of the night. Um, they think it's just a corpse. When he gets out of the corpse that gets out of the box, he like has a heart attack. What the fuck even happens here? It's just like, this.
1: yeah. And then, and then like, so, his friend has abandoned him. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too much plot. It's too many twists. And it's, I mean, I, I think the buried el- like, I think for an anthology horror, I would have been fine with, like, he did all the shitty stuff and then he faked his own death and now he's stuck in the box and blah, blah. Like, that, that's good. That's Being stuck in a coffin buried alive is a good twist. And then it keeps going with a bunch more convoluted stuff. And I – yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely the worst of this, I think, by a, by a long shot.
0: I think it would actually be a pretty good, like, Inside number 9 or Tales from the Crypt episode or something that's, like, 40 minutes long. It has way more bumbling in it and way more plot about like, okay, so the reason the guy went through with this and this and this is because he did this and this like and just make it into like this, like this confusion comedy Um, instead in like it's not funny. And it's not ironic, and we don't know really. We don't have time to know anything about anyone. Yeah. So it's just sort of this like. It's just sort of this like half chub. I don't have anything. Yeah, to
1: I don't know. think. I don't think it's as bad as reflections of death because there is some good imagery and some interesting stuff. It just is. Yeah, you're right. Too much plot, not enough character, not enough like. The whole, the whole point of anthology is you really need to hit on something and be somewhat simple about it. And this this doesn't do that. Uh, or you need to make a very long <laughs> anthology segment, which this also doesn't do. Uh, last one is my favorite from this one. Uh, Bargain in Death. Uh, reminds me. I wish I would have remembered like how close this is. We did Tales from the Hood. And there's the, like, the drawing. And that anytime you write. Oh,
0: you mean Drawn and Quartered
1: is the name of this one.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah.
1: Drawn and Quartered, uh, my yeah, favorite. Bar- bar- the, the one you one. just talked about. Yeah. Uh, drawn and Quartered, uh, which is my favorite one, uh, reminds me a lot of the Tales from the Hood episode or segment that we just talked about, which I kind of forgot when we were recording it about the kid who can uh, draw things on and then in whatever happens to the drawing happens to to uh, the image um, or what happens to the image happens to the person that he's drawn. But yeah, this the the first part of this is not so great. Uh, where he goes, uh, the, this artist goes to ha- Haiti. Basically, he um, he has these business partners and people in his life that basically said he's a shitty artist and he's terrible. Uh, and secretly, they they his his uh, paintings have been extraordinarily profitable, and uh, they've been cheating him. And so he goes down to Haiti and essentially grants the power in his hand through a uh, questionable ritual. Um, to to essentially bring to life – or to not bring to life, but to imbue his hand into being able to paint the image or soul into a canvas. And so he um, paints pictures of all of the people who have wronged him and then goes about uh, destroying those pictures in certain ways. So, um, you know, smashes the hands and uh, a guy's hands get chopped off in the most uh, obvious uh, giant paper cutter <laughs> – <laughs> There's this, I, love, I love that scene because it is like a, um, so he paints this guy and he smashes the hands and then it cuts to this guy like hey this paper cutter's not working and it's this fucking giant like gu- guillotine guillotine of a paper cutter he's like let me just check oh no my hands but it's, uh, it's great uh, uh, Marcus Brody from Indiana Jones not the actor's name uh, his name is uh, 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 why am I forgetting his name Probably the only one I don't need to look up. Uh uh the with a D. D. Why am I forgetting? Uh
0: uh Dr. Marcus Brody's played by Denom Elliot. Elliott. Yeah.
1: Got it. Exact same time. Um Denom Elliot, yeah. Where he's the he's the final guy who like he brings him – it's a great scene. He brings him the painting and Denim Elliott's like, I know you killed these other two. I read about it in the paper. I'm going to pull a gun on you. And he just draws a red bullet hole in the center of his head. Um, and so Denim Elliot uh, puts the gun to his head and shoots himself. But he has a painting of himself too, which is a problem. So, originally, he realizes he's put it away for safekeeping so that nothing happens to it, which is a great thought. This this guy's thinking. He knows he has a, a painting that if anything happens to it, he'll be hurt or killed in that way. Um, so, he puts it in a safe, but he is, it's really real to life. He starts running out of oxygen uh, and almost dying. He's able to get it out of the safe, um, and then he sets it. In his house, where he thinks it's safe, and goes, but once you know it, um, there's a guy doing stuff on the roof, uh, overlooking the 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 um the glass ceiling or the the skylight, and uh, he collapses, breaks through, and paint thinner uh, runs makes the, his painting run. Uh, down And the equivalent to that is that he gets fucking run over by a truck and, and smashed into uh, presumably smithereens. They show what the painting looks like. They don't show what he looks like after getting run over by the truck, just the back of him. But uh, you would imagine be pretty fucking gross based on <laughs> making the painting come to life. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I I really like this one. Um, this is a uh, this is in the top half of the of the the shorts in here for me. Um, it does have a little bit of the exoticism by being like, what if while he's in the islands he gets a voodoo trick and he has a voodoo hand, yeah. that'll do voodoo magic, and it's like. Yeah, okay. that that I first. Think, I don't even think the word voodoo counts for this. I think maybe that falls more under hoodoo, and also you're using a colonialist version of what that would be. Yeah, the and first. Like, there's just like a lot, lot of complexity. Once going he on gets there. back, oh, it rules. But once he gets back to, once he gets back to to Britain, it's just a story of a man with a magic hand that can draw paintings of somebody, and then once he desecrates the painting, you get massacred. Yes, it's it's awesome. I love it. Um, I love that the. Uh, I guess sort of like the monkey's paw there's a little bit of a twist here. So in the monkey's paw so sort of like the monkey's paw the story is usually like the the universe naturally finds a way to make this event happen. Like a gust of wind does a butterfly effect thing and knocks over a knocks over a lantern which sets a tree on fire which um wake somebody up in the middle of the night and then the wave comes in and knocks them on their ass and then they get hit on the head with a rock or whatever. (laughs) It's usually this like series of like domino effect, musk, buffalo uh, buffalo buffalo, uh, uh, effect domino effect um, butterfly effect kind of things where it's like natural occurrences kind of come together in a series of improbable things. I kind of like similar to in um, the monkey's paw riff in the first in the Tales from the Crypt Um, there's a, um, there's a, uh, (laughs) like a, a quality where like even fate sometimes just throws up its fucking hands. And is like, no, I'm not, I'm not knocking a tree over on his car while he's driving. Like, I'm just going to murder this guy. And, um, what it, what it does here is it makes, uh, Marcus Brody makes, (laughs) makes Denim Elliot just a suicidal against his will. Um, and he like, it's like, oh, how do we get a, re- a red dot there? It's not going to be a straight bullet. It's not going to be a a, 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 a painter or a, a guy is uh, hammering nails and a, it, the nail bounces off a thing and comes through the window. Uh, fate at that moment is just like, no, nah, all right. We'll just have this guy, he's got a gun. We'll just, we'll just make that. That's the, that's the path of least resistance for us, yeah. And in like in like the previous one, with the monkeys paw one, it's like, Well, I want to see that my husband's alive. A bunch of mystical um 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 pa- uh pallbearers march him in, like it's the fucking haunted mansion at Disneyland. <laughs> it's like, Yeah, they're, they're, she's like, is, is this my husband? And they're like, I don't know, man. Open the box,
1: <laughs> you wish for it what do you look? Well, complain to DoorDash if you don't like your order <laughs> just the guy
0: who picks up the the coffin please give me five stars yeah. um it's the restaurant's <laughs> fault not not mine yeah the grim reaper's a real fucking dick
1: uh um, yeah but i but yeah i, I love it's I, super I, like, gory. I like that it's just straightforward yeah, super gory too and like so many fun moments and yeah, I I love the just the realization after he gets revenge, which is where a lot of these movies would stay and sit. Because again, even though he was wronged um, by his uh, business partners and lawyer and stuff like that, they're not the ones in the vault of horror reliving their nightmare. He is because he then got this uh, cruel revenge on everyone in not a commiserate way. Yes, yeah, someone screwing out of your money money is bad. Um. You know, uh, going and uh, uh, going and doing some mildly uh, racially insensitive stuff and then murdering everyone is also bad. But then you're stuck with this idea of like, oh, now I have a picture I have to keep safe. And again, I think I said it already. The part of this that I think takes it from from very good to great and kind of genius when it comes to this is that he had his own painting that he has to do something with, and like again, he doesn't do the the horror protagonist thing. He doesn't do the he doesn't do the oh I'm going to do something stupid and run with it down the street or something like that. He's like I have to keep this very safe. But again, the power of the paintings is very literal. So if he's in an enclosed space without oxygen. That is going to affect him as well. And so, uh, it, it almost at that point seems inevitable that if you can't keep this safe, then something bad is going to happen. And they find a very fun, gross, implying way to, to do that.
0: Yeah, no I, I i really i really dig that, and yeah they're they're selecting they're usually selecting for the really hard Ten Commandments, you know they're not selecting for like oh my my neighbor's wife's hot yeah there's no um, embezzling thou shall not embezzle go embezzle embezzle is money yeah yeah it's just don't um, take that into um, murderous territory don't punch a painting um, what's what's your what's your number five so, uh, my number five is
1: bargain of death
0: yep or... <laughs> we're we one to one on the duds, right? Yeah. Um, I think actually for both of them, there's a dud in each, and then all the other ones are are good are good to great. Yeah, I agree.
1: Uh, my number um, four is the trick will kill you, but I I do really like the trick will kill you.
0: My number four is uh the
1: neat job. Okay. Uh, my number three is the neat job. I could go. I could probably be convinced either way. I like both of those quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Um my next one, my number three would be Drawn and Quartered. Okay. Um my
1: um my number two is Midnight Mess.
0: Um The Trick will kill You. I just re- I really like the cosmic horror disappearing uh, on the I end do. Of the it's very
1: coming. good at, it's I mean really I
0: like all them. and then my number one's drawn that's out. the one thing in the that like the short that like made my eyes like bulge open. I'm like what the fuck did I just see? Um, my number one is the is Drawn and Quartered. My number one is Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass, is I mean, it's, so good. it's so
1: great. I mean, it's it's my number two. I, I I have to, I have to debate each time which ones which one's a little bit better. I just I think some of the but they're both again they both have just things that make me very happy. Like again, a smart protagonist who's still unable to to solve this impossible supernatural problem they've got themselves in, and that kind of twist of actually you're. You're not a monster compared to this nest of vampires. Um I, I love both those things. And and these movies do this so well. And I, I mean, they they're, they go down so easy. This is, you know, the, the fun thing about watching this and what we'll talk about next week, we talked about how we're doing this right before Spooktober. Like, I mean, that's a lot of horror movies in a short amount of time, right before you're about to watch a lot of horror movies. And all of these are so much fun, which is what is – which is what is so great about anthology horror movies you don't you don't have a chance to get bored and all of these are such great examples of their medium for different reasons that uh, it's it's been great they are it really is an appetizer for what we're going to get into uh, in in the month that we're as you're listening to this are already in but we're about to approach here and and next week is our Halloween spooktacular it's already it hasn't begun for us it's almost over for the us that you're listening to. And yeah, as we've said, we're doing all the VHS movies. So VHS, VHS 2, VHS Viral, VHS 94, and then VHS 99, which doesn't drop until October 20th. And we're going to also attempt the feat of ranking every single one uh, in order. And uh, I think – I wonder if we'll share a last place on that one because – now, admittedly, I haven't seen any of the ones for ninety nine, but I'm pretty clear of my lap, my bottom two, <laughs> having rewatched the first four, um, and they're the first two that we'll talk about as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I uh, I was surprised rewatching it um, how uh, certain things stuck in my mind, as you know, the like this is the best of the best, and certain things I was like, oh wow, this is. It's worse than I remembered, Uh, but it's just such a fun series. I'm really excited. I will also be watching the Snapchat original VHS shorts that are apparently only watchable on the Snapchat app, which... I felt a million fucking years old when I opened up Snapchat, dude. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to download it. I have to draw a line
1: somewhere and recognize that I'm too old I, for something. I'm not. I don't recommend it. I felt so
0: uncomfortable. I felt so uncomfortable. Nope, not doing it. They but I, you know what? I turn may on try your to your watch. camera to access any of the features. You know what I mean? They make you. What? Imagine if the main page of TikTok was like, hey, do you want to make a TikTok? Here's a picture of your face and also presumably the ceiling of your bathroom.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't like it. I I may try. Um, I we won't talk about it next week, or we will talk about it next week, but we won't talk about it in, in our next recording session because I'm going to save it for Spooktober because I haven't seen it. But I may try to watch Siren uh, to talk about it a little bit for our um for right before we get into to ninety nine, which apparently yeah. is the full length remake that is somewhat well received of the uh, one of my least favorite shorts, the opening to VHS one. So.
0: Yeah, one one uh, unfortunate thing is that because this year I'm like, oh my God, there's all these movies that I can watch now that uh, kind of inform the movies we're watching. You're you're gonna watch Siren. I'm probably gonna watch Siren. Also, um, one of my favorite shorts from VHS ninety four uh, because VHS ninety four only came out last year. Um, VHS ninety four I think got or uh, happened around the same time that um, one of the directors um, got to make a movie called Watcher that's now on Shutter and it's supposed to be really good. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm going to watch that for Spooktober. Um, so, yeah, hoping to have that context uh, ready for when we record next. Yeah, it'll be a
1: long one, but happy spooking to you. And, uh, Peter, I'm going to go relive my nightmare um, next time we record, uh, which is talking to you, which is very mean. Oh, thank you. Very mean, and I don't mean that. Good night. <laughs> Good night. If you ever go surfing late at night... When the beach is dark and the moon is bright, that's when he rises from a watery grave, and rides toward shore on a giant wave.
0: Oh, he's the surf monster, yeah, yeah. surf monster, yeah, yeah.
1: He looks like a man, but he's covered with scales, there's seaweed growing from his fingernails, and when he rides the surf, you can hear him wail, come